tonight, the redhead. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Thursday, July 11th, 2013. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 529er. This is No Agenda. Sponsored by Soros here at the Travis Heights Hideout in Austin, Texas, capital of the Drone Star State. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it's a little earlier than usual, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. Hey, now. Right on. Oh, big, big problems. But well, we're early and everything falls apart. The whole infrastructure, the entire network is, is has pay attention. It wouldn't complete. Well, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not in charge of all that. So what, I, listening I, to the show. No, I, I think we're uh, so I don't believe we're streaming live, but uh, I would say the majority of people hear the show on the podcast anyway. So I would think so. so. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what what are we doing? Why are we early? We're an hour earlier than normal. What's going on? I got my my daughter's birthday. Oh, that's I got right. Things to do. That's right. How how old is she? is she? Wait a minute. Let me guess. Is she nineteen or twenty? Ah, you hit it. <laughs> Both She's nineteen or twenty. <laughs> nineteen or twenty. <laughs> She's nineteen. Right. Yeah. Wow. Ah, how fast it goes, John. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> now what? I don't know. It don't worry. It doesn't. It, for me, it hasn't ended. You know, my kid's going to be twenty three at the end of August, and uh, she's you know doesn't end. Are you charging these kids she's rent getting, yet? She's getting pretty old. <laughs> Who, Christina? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks. So, uh, yeah. no, I don't charge the kids rent. What, you kind of, what do you think is an ogre? <laughs> Paying rent or you're getting out. Yeah, that's what my parents did, and it took me three weeks. <laughs> yeah, look at him. look at your parent. Well, I mean, your dad just sitting by himself. He just probably would like to have you hanging around the house a little bit. I'm not so sure, but he's not doing too well, actually. Yeah, he's no, like, yeah. it's, it's, that's been the case since we started the show. <laughs> no, but <laughs> it's true. Yeah, no, that's true. But now he's really not doing so well. But you go say hi to him. I'm gonna go say hi to him. We're we're leaving. Um, yeah, next... I'm coming. Back. I'm gonna come on party with you guys. You are not coming to party with us. Oh whatsoever. yeah. <laughs> Heading out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm getting tickets now. Let me. T- shall, I, shall I tell you what our schedule is so everyone kind of knows? Yeah, I think you should. So you can target me appropriately? Right. We should also mention, yeah, we've got a couple of issues with a couple of miss- missing shows. We'll, have to do well not really missing shows because we're going to fill them up with, with some outstanding content. There's no doubt about it. But, but yeah. we've decided to take uh, two shows off this year uh, during the summer. Two and, whole and shows. And wait a minute. Let's stop. Stop for a second. I want to point out to everybody. Oh, no. I want to point out to everybody. That we've been doing the show for close to six years, or six year anniversaries in October yeah, coming up, and we've never taken one show off. Uh, hold except, on, hold on. We took, we did a clip show for Christmas a couple of years ago, and and when I got married, everyone gave me a show off. Remember I don't that? Remember that? Yeah. When when Mickey, which is almost a year ago, when Mickey but and I got do, married. Is that when we did two hundred point five or three? I think that's when we did three hundred. I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know how many episodes. Yeah, but ago we actually did a show. No, no, we still have a show. Yeah, of course. And we'll. St- and it's not like we're going to go dark, right? No, didn't we do de- that? <laughs> didn't we decide to put? Some, I mean, I'm going to put no, an no, interview no, on. No, no, no. Go dark. We oh, shows off the air. I'm we done. We can't go dark. <laughs> Uh, so Friday after, so uh, we have Thursday, we have the show next week. Then Friday, Ms. Mickey and I haul off to Amsterdam. 
Then uh, on Sunday, I do the show from Amsterdam using the new Ultimate Podcast device, which I... Yes, this will be a good field test. Yeah, so I'm all, I've am i been on it for the past two shows, and I'm still kind of working on all the, you know, right, the fine-tuning. Not, not the same as a field Not test. the same as a field test, exactly. Um, then um, on... So how many tubes are in this thing? Zero. Oh, okay. It's, no, it's zero. <laughs> but we are replicating tube design, that's for sure, with... Uh, with dual rail power, AC. It has an AC power adapter. Will it do two twenty? Yeah, of course it'll do two twenty with a separate adapter. You can't. This, this is why all these companies do DC adapters because they're cheap. But I've learned a lot. You you wind up doing a lot of balancing and biasing internally if you use DC power instead of having your own power on board. So you've got dual rail. I mean, the whole thing is it's high end. It's just it's it's going to be great once it's done, which will be maybe. Maybe sometime near Christmas. Who knows? What do you think it would sell for? Oh, it's going to have to be four hundred dollars. I can't do it for any less. Three ninety nine, ninety nine. No, no. I think it's it's going to be. It. it I, in fact, I would even say it'd have to be four ninety nine, ninety nine. But you can do. You can replicate the best podcast in the universe with this thing. I mean, it's it's set up to do it. Okay. It, it's a mixer. It's all your process. If you had to buy all the elements individually, it would be a thousand dollars. All right. Well, it sounds like a deal. Anyway. And it's lightweight and small. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, wait until you see this module. It's 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 like a cigarette pack. That's how small it is. Huh. Uh, so on uh, Monday... You have the... tiny knobs? Those <laughs> tiny knobs? <laughs> Very tiny knobs. But for you, we'll make really giant knobs. We'll make a special John system. <laughs> on Monday, we go to the south of France to my uh, dear friend, Michel the Gangster. Um, he, uh, he's he got a house down there. in between. This is the elite of the elite. Does he listen to the show? Oh, he's a huge fan of the show. He's always he's he's all over I the reptiles. Seen his, uh, donor uh, nomenclature. Michelle, uh, I think he donates in other ways. If you're looking for a Latour, I've been looking for Latour. <laughs> yeah, but if you happen to be in the south of France, and you're looking for a Latour. Oh, that's where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And from there, we're going to drive uh, to Florence uh, to uh, visit Willow. Florence, are you going to do a meetup? <laughs> yeah, well, sure. Come on, do a sure. meetup, a tweet-up meetup. <laughs> I'll do a huge meetup in Florence. I'm sure there's tons of No Agenda listeners in Italy. <laughs> right. I think there's two. Yeah, Willow and Willow. <laughs> And then uh, after, um, let me see, I think four, uh, three days in Florence, we're going to, oh, and of course, Mickey's going to, Miss Mickey's going to visit our brain professor's friend at the university there, you know, to look at more brains or whatever. You know how that goes. I have Nixon's brain. (laughs) I have. I've had it on ice for a long time. And then we fly back to Amsterdam. We're there for five or six days. Yeah, you do a meetup there. We could, we could. I'm gonna visit my daughter, of course, and then we fly back. Uh, so, and actually, when we we're back in Amsterdam, then I do another show. So the only shows that we're not doing are July 25th and July 28th, and then right. and so I'll be two be doing two shows from Amsterdam, uh, both field tests with the with the new box. I think the 28th may be the Indianapolis NASCAR uh, event. Oh, really? I might just go down to that. To see if anyone can, we can get anyone to, to, to we have a, a contact within the organization, not within the organization, but within the publicity world surrounding NASCAR to use it, to get a no agenda sticker on one of these. Yeah, how cool is that? I love it. I love it. Let me ask you a question, John. This hit me this morning as uh, as the news report started coming out. Why is it, and I'm certainly not going to accept it any longer, why is it people accept 
courtroom sketches the way they are drawn. <laughs> the whole concept of, a, of, okay, we can't have cameras in the court for whatever reason, but then we're going to have a sketch. And these sketches are always like, like an artist interpretation. There's plenty of people. You go to Central Park. There's guys who can sketch you perfectly. You look fantastic. Yeah. Like, that's you. They can do a, a caricature for all I care. But the, yeah. the, the courtroom sketches that are being done, it can only be to hide the fact that there's no court session going on. There's just nothing. Have you well, seen I'm... the reports about this, about Chernayev? No. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. The oh. Chernayev stuff is quite interesting. Oh. The latest is that it may not be him. It's not him. Of course it's not. Why else would you not allow cameras in the courtroom? During this court proceeding, Anderson, he was looking around. He was sort of, he kept touching his face. He was fidgeting. Um, and it was almost as if he was ignoring what was going on. The judge was speaking to him. He didn't look at her. Uh, and then as the charges were read against him, he did stand up and he said not guilty to each of those charges. Now, hold on a second. He confessed to everything. How can he now say not guilty? What's going on with that? This makes no sense. And he said I it think it's, by the way, yeah. I think it's that same, the guy looking around, though, I think that is the same actor who played the redhead in, in the Colorado. <laughs> yeah, it's thing. the same guy, exactly. In a Russian accent. And what's so interesting about it, that is that after court, I ran into a couple of his wrestling buddies from high school, and they said they were stunned. They, he never had a Russian accent when they knew him. Uh, and they came to court because they wanted to see if this was the same guy. And they just said, you know, it wasn't. Now, so here we, so here we have the actual report saying it's not the same guy. He speaks with a Russian accent. Never heard him do that before. Now here's what's ha if you look at the broad scope of things right now and today. Of course, we have some breaking news happening now in the George Zimmerman trial. Which who gives a crap? If you really look at the two, the two. Let's look at it face value. Here we have a, uh, a divide-and-conquer trial, which is what that is all about, which has been going on for weeks now. It seems like weeks. Months. But, yeah, but really. Zimmerman? But, but you know, CNN, has, trial itself, yeah, yeah. CNN has switched to an all-new 24-7 Zimmerman format. I mean, this is now a, this is a format you can sell around the world. You know, this is the, the Zimmerman news format. But if you look, okay, one guy did. Yeah, huge implications, perhaps. But then over here we have the Boston bombing which it will have long, resounding implications upon our security state, uh, the crouch and cower, all the things, you know, martial law, uh, the multiple people killed. Uh, according to the same CNN, 260 people wounded, yet we have no cameras in the courtroom, and we only have one or two morons who are so-called victims who are being interviewed and this is the package that was on every single news station the exact same package i will mind this you. morning after making his first court appearance since the deadly attacks in april joe harzarnaya pleading not guilty to terror charges and he repeated that not guilty seven times meantime dozens of bombing survivors they came face to face dozens dozens came you have to pay attention to the words Dozens came face to face. However, we only got two outside the courtroom who didn't really seem, you know, like they could even talk. With this 19-year-old accused terrorist. So people in the courtroom said that he almost smirked during the hearing. On a Some people said, he, what is this? This is an important trial and we can't see it. What, what determines, John, when we can or cannot see something on television when it comes to a trial. Is this national security? Is there something going on that it's we can't see this guy? Right, but why? what is the reasoning? What does the judge 
What is the judge's reasoning behind this? I could, There's not I could a not consistent find it. Uh, uh, play on this. Everybody, every judge has his own theory. They, they don't want to do it. They don't want to turn to a carnival. They have a million excuses, and they just refuse to do it. They, some don't do it. Some do. I don't know. Nicole Oliverio is live at the courthouse now in South Boston with more. Nicole. That's right, Cannon. These proceedings lasted only seven minutes. But as you can imagine, inside the courtroom here at the Moakley Courthouse, it was emotionally packed. And the victims and their families... Emotionally packed. What does that even mean? This is a lie. I'm, I, you know, I've, I've stayed away from all this for a long time. This report, this woman was not in the courtroom. There, I don't. I do not know anyone who was actually there, except well, you'll hear the two boneheads she gets at the end of this report. As we spoke would say they didn't expect much more from the alleged suspect. Appearing in an orange jumpsuit, his hair disheveled, but his voice. Hello. His hair disheveled. I think it's disheveled. Is it not? It's disheveled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he could be disheveled. He could be disheveled if you hit him over the head with a shovel. Disheveled? Are you kidding me? Appearing in an orange <laughs> jumpsuit, his hair disheveled, but his voice strong as he pled not guilty seven times. The public got their first look at the man accused of killing three people and destroying hundreds of lives Video. the day of the Boston Marathon. I don't know. I actually felt sick to my stomach. It's very emotional for me. It was kind of eerie, kind of upsetting. Um, but then again, I felt good that I was able to be there. Okay, so those are the entire two people they have in this report. If they sound were, like two typical uh, man on the street reports. Thank, and they they filmed them on the street. There were 260 people claimed wounded, multiple deaths. Where are if, if this had happened to any if, if if even if my daughter had been slightly wounded. I'd be there. I'd be. I'd be outside yelling at the cameras. I'd be doing all kind of stuff. They have these two people with fanny packs and sunglasses. I'm sorry. I'm just not buying it anymore. And and then and then we have the Zimmerman trial to give us some courtroom feel, which is going on 24/7. This is a huge, a huge mistake that we are witnessing right now. It really is. This is not okay. Well, what's the mistake? The mistake is mistake. that the mistake is that we allow ourselves to be snookered into still looking at these stupid sketches and then believe that this is taking place. I don't even think this is taking place, John. Prove it to me. Prove to me that this is ta- that there is a trial taking place. Well, I mean, you have a. a I can't. That's the problem. Right. I, mean, I think there is, but I can't prove it. All I and want I, is a I, little proof. I'll be with you on this one. I think we should. All these uh, cases should be televised. Should be televised, and I'm uh, and I'm. And why not? They're open to the public. There's a gallery in there. You can go in there if you can get in there early enough. Well, apparently you can't. Why can't you watch it on television? This is the 21st century, and 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 this is like a big big time case. And why not a picture? Why not a picture? Why not a regular picture? Why do we have to suffice with a stupid drawing? A photograph. A photograph. Yes. Why not a photograph? Why do we accept this? This is not 1892. Where they had to go develop and every no, this is there's no reason for this. There is no reason that we can't have a photograph. And why doesn't anyone? Well, one not of a the reasons p- for no photographs at some point. This is, by the way, no longer valid. Was the shutters were distracting, but and of course, if you go to any of these press conferences with Clippity Clop or anybody else, right. you hear click, 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 click. Yes, but you there are. Plenty of cameras. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Silent. Wait a minute. You're telling me that these sketches, the sketches didn't start because of distracting uh, the camera sounds. Well, I think you can't tell me that for the purposes of 
you know, before there were cameras, let's say in the 1800s. Yeah. And then when cameras came to be, they, they were huge clunkers. There were these giant press cameras with a big flash. <laughs> yeah. And so then when they finally had <laughs> right. short little cameras, they made a lot of racket. And they yeah. still, most of them do. You're making my point for me, of course. And now, of course, you have shut cameras that make zero noise. And there's not you a can use an iPhone and, and get better. I was going to say there's results. not a single person who was able to sneak in if an iPhone or a camera or something. Everyone went through a metal detector. Is that what happened? Did yeah, everyone go through a them, slave scanner? Stuff. You can't be in there on the iPhone. Right. Well, I'm. I'm just not. I'm not accepting it anymore. It is no longer acceptable in the 21st century to not have photo at least a photograph of what is taking place in the courtroom it it it, it um it invigorates conspiracy theory right and, and as as we're witnessing with you <laughs> right so there stop is it. no trial it's not <laughs> stop, taking place stop prove it. it prove it to me and, and this and and by the way everyone's saying well the guy who we think is there who we have no evidence no video video or photographic evidence he's not the guy He's taller. He speaks That's with right. a Russian he's accent. Not guilty. <laughs> yeah, of course he's not guilty. It's not I him. Do anything? What it's am not, I even doing here? I just woke up here. I got a headache. What's going on? Uh, this is this. There is so much craziness, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. I have been running into so many things. Uh, I I think I need to start it off uh, with with um, with the snow job. I found out some stuff that is really, really quite disturbing. Uh -oh. Yeah, it's really quite disturbing. <laughs> let me get the pen. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the first, uh, let me see. I need to remind everyone. Let's just go back to a couple shows ago when we had the, this is a, the, the Charlie Rose show. And it's very important that if, if you're new to this program, uh, you know, we, we have to bring back these clips from time to time so you really understand how things work. Edward Snowden did not drop a file on a server you know he didn't uh, put out a bit torrent of all these documents have not been you know floating around the world in fact exactly like wikileaks he went to uh two uh, press organizations turns out he actually went to a third which we'll talk about in a moment which is where my surprise comes from and those um uh, press outlets they determine what is going to be published they have made everything public Right only after consulting with the government. And that is what I wanted to replay, just so we were reminded that this is the uh, editor of The Guardian talking about what she did, uh, and she is the uh, the editor-at-large, I believe, and her senior editor, Albritz, of course, is there on The Charlie Rose Show, and they went to the government and they talked about what they wanted to publish. you believe national security of the United States has been damaged? I do not. And we have consulted with the authorities about everything that we have published, and Which we've invited them um, with the NSA, with the White House. So the you've asked them, DNI, is this damaging to national security, and should we? Is there any real reason we should not publish this? We've invited specific national security concerns about. We've let them know what we're going to publish, and you know, to the spe specifics of which slide, of which presentation, or which document on which date. And well, do you tell me how that happens? Because mm -hmm. it's interesting to me. Uh, it's come up before with other news organizations in the United States. Do you mm -hmm. go to uh, NSA authorities, whether it's General Alexander or someone else, and say, "This is what we're prepared to publish"? Uh, is w what's the next part of the question? Well, in this situation, you're not really asking a question yeah. because you have the information. You're saying, what? "I'm going to publish this." What's your response? You're saying, "This is what we have." 
Um, do you have a specific national security concern that you would like to alert well, us that's to? That's a question. And, well, yes, yeah. that is a question. Or we are inviting you to raise. Right. And then we don't guarantee that we will agree with their interpretation. But what we're saying is we would, you know, we'd like to hear that. And, and you heard it. Um, actually, and they say we, we have haven't, security concerns we haven't and, heard and specific it, national security concerns about any of the They never expressed any national specific. security no. specific concerns. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. So they never expressed any specific national security, uh, security concerns because they want this to happen. They wanted this to take place. And I think I can put together a pretty good picture now of all the players involved. Now, what has happened... Uh, so let's say this took place. Let's just. Well, by the way, I want to remind listeners that you, the one element in there which we have to uh, uh, consider for all the analysis, which is. Yeah. They gave him the documents and said, nah, no problem. And then everybody made a fuss. Right. Uh, in so fact. A lot of, so, in other words, a lot of acting is taking place. And let's take a look at three actors right now before we go to the best actor of all, which would be our president. Here is a big new Brzezinski on the Fareed Zakaria program, and he kind of sets it up. Now, Brzezinski was a big guy in the uh, Bush 1 regime, I believe. It goes back to Nixon. Oh, yeah. That's right. No, I'm sorry. He was uh, Nixon's. Wasn't he? Uh, I don't think he was ever Secretary of State, but he was. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, anyway. Go on. But Brzezinski, and of course Brzezinski's daughter, Mika, she's on the Morning Joe show. So the Brzezinski empire reaches. Well, think of Daniel Ellsberg. Now, Daniel Ellsberg is important in this case because I'm not so sure Daniel Ellsberg was entirely clean either. Daniel Ellsberg took his, he, it was kind of the same model if you look at it. He took the so-called Pentagon Papers to the New York Times, I believe. Right, John? Yep. He also I mean, there was no servers for him to upload it to at the time, so that was kind of the way. And I have a feeling the New York Times also did something very similar, and it might have benefited some people to release this information in the manner that it was released. Uh, but so now Ellsberg is is brought in kind of as the granddaddy of doing this kind of stuff, and uh, it's interesting how he is portrayed versus uh, Bradley Manning or Edward Snowden. He was against our policy in Vietnam. He revealed classified documents. He did it in the United States and was prepared to face music. He may have been misguided, but he certainly was patriotic. What did this guy do? He goes to China and then he goes to Russia, both countries that would like to replace us on top of the global totem pole. And Russia, certainly under Putin, is far from being friendly to the United States. So what are his motives? Who is he trying to appeal to? Who are his allies that he made his choice? In other words, I'm very skeptical about his motivations. Maybe he's psychologically mixed up, but he's certainly no friend of the United States objectively, and maybe even subjectively. So here's Brzezinski basically saying the guy's a spy for China and or Russia. So that's one way of looking at it. Now, in the same show, we have Richard Haas, who is an elite douchebag from the Council on Foreign Relations. Yeah, it's, it, Machiavelli once said that you can tell somebody by the people he has around them. Well, this character, the countries that are potentially willing to take him are essentially outliers. And that, that tells you something. They're really outside. To the extent there even is an international community, they're not part of it. This has turned into a farce. But we should not forget, wrapped around this farce is oh, a tragedy. Hold on a second. Yeah. You're going to have to wind it back a little bit because this guy's on a roll. I was waiting for you to catch this. Yeah, okay. But, but wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So they're outliers. 
China and Russia, and Russia are not <laughs> part of the international community. No, they are not. Everything we buy is from China. <laughs> China is the most up and coming country in the world. What do you mean they're? What is this guy trying to pull? Yeah, well, this is this is the and for for Zakaria, this guy should be called out. Does Rose call him out for being full no, of no, crap? It's for not Rose. This is for Zakaria. Oh, Sagar, oh, never mind. <laughs> do I need to say more? No, Zakaria won't call anyone out. He's in no, agreeing. Zakaria is a, is, a, is a, if anybody's an anti-American, it's that guy. I think Zakaria is also on the Council of Foreign Relations. Is he not? I have a feeling I, he I, is. Uh, he might be. He, he might probably be. is. But the point is, well, if they let Aaron Burnett in, redoing the Constitution, throwing yeah. it out, and all the rest yeah. of it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this guy's short, and then we'll get to the final one. That tells you something. They're really outside. To the extent there even is an international community, they're not. There's not even an international community. Just so you know, there's <laughs> there's nothing really going on. Part of it. This has turned into a farce. But we should not forget. Wrapped around this farce is a tragedy. This guy is not what a is whistle. This guy Woody Allen. <laughs> Blower. He's a felon. He committed treason, and what he did. He's not make... a felon, and he didn't commit. He's not been convicted of anything, and he did not commit treason. He's not to a the felon, world. and he's not a tra- a, 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 a traitor. No. He's never. He's he's floating around. This guy's full of crap, and he's you know if Snowden manages to squeak through this thing unscathed. This guy gets sued. Oh, you, but that is total libel. Americans and others around the world less safe. So it might. So when I call Hillary Clinton the lying, killing douchebag, am I libelous? She's a public official. Oh, okay. You can call her anything you oh, want. Okay. Yay. It'd be fun at times to talk about him the way the media is, but this is this is serious stuff. People will be vulnerable because of the way that he is tipped off. Uh, groups and individuals who want to do us severe harm. So wherever he ends up, in an airport lounge or in Venezuela or wherever, his legacy will be truly destructive. But- and this, of course, we know to be not true because otherwise uh, our national security apparatus would have said so to the Guardian prior to publishing. Right. So the whole so these guys are, are essentially well, in we're not there done. to we're do not- what they're supposed to do, which is to slander the guy. <laughs> well, we're not done yet. We, we oh. still have the Wall Street Journal. Uh, they're going to slander him, too. Brett Stevens. Government spy, and uh, we're realists also, and uh, all governments have intelligence agencies, and, and they have legal controls which operate and which operated at the, uh, at the NSA under multiple administrations. So I agree with both, both of these comments. You know, Martin Luther King wrote letter from a Birmingham jail. What is, what is Snowden going to write? Letter from a Moscow transit lounge? Letter from a, from a Venezuelan four-star uh, hotel? Wait, wait. First of all, we got a false comparison here. Yeah, of course. He's comparing this guy to Martin Luther King. Who was not a whistleblower by any means. He's not a whistleblower? <laughs> no. What but, is this guy coming up with this? What is this guy's name? This shows you uh, Brett Stevens. This, this shows you the level of quality of journalism in the United States. And this is not a guy who was willing to pay the price for the civil disobedience he thought he was committing. He's also not a whistleblower. He went into the NSA with the intention to reveal secrets. It's not like he got there and said, oh. This, by the way, has been disputed by everyone, so I find it interesting. Including, in fact, there are recent, uh, the last interview that uh, Greenwald did with him. That Greenwald published. We don't know if Greenwald's doing interviews with anybody, but it's been published. This was, no, that first interview he did in Hong Kong. Yeah, I'm getting there. All right. Let me take take you there in fast pace. Jeez, terrible things are happening. I need to to reveal this uh, to the public at large. One, One comment, though, which is, we're holding Snowden, we want to hold Snowden morally accountable. Someone needs to ask, how is it that after the Bradley Manning incident, you can still have a 29-year-old contractor, not even working for the government itself, 
essentially walking into the sanctum sanctorum of our American intelligence establishment and putting so much information on a uh, zip drive. I assume this is a... Oh, he seems to know everything. Zip drive, you know, the sanctum sanctorum. He's 29. Well, He's got all the talking points. Let's stop there. Zip drive. Yeah, seriously. Really? <laughs> what, you, what? Hello, 1980 calling. <laughs> You're right. You put it on a zip, zip drive. drive. Hey, I'm coming into the office. What, do you, what is that under your arm? <laughs> I've zip. got a zip drive. <laughs> what? But thank you. Good point. Does that thing even work? Good point. Do you have drivers for that? Will that work on Windows 8? <laughs> Good point. Point well made. One for Dvorak. We'll mark you up there. Large quantity of information. Someone within the intelligence establishment has to say, why do we let this happen again and again? It's funny because people used to always say, we need to share more intelligence. Government is too siloed. You know. And now when you share intelligence, it turns out the Bradley Mannings of the world and the Edward Snowdens of the world end up with too much intelligence. There's probably some happy median. We got ah, Okay, the happy median. That's what Fareed Zakaria is, is pushing towards. And he's saying that for a reason because he has personal meetings with the president. He goes to the White House by himself. You know, he little sit down, little chat to talk about the agenda. This is well known, well publicized. And I think that this was a, a very elaborate setup. If you, we go now, this is from. So I'm just going to say that the Guardian, just to give him a little time, that the Guardian probably had this information around the beginning of May. You know that you know because this went on for a while, and you know we can point to some specific dates. So maybe they had this around the first or second week of May, June seventh. So this is uh, over a month ago. Here's what the president said when uh, uh, Snowden was not known yet, um, but the documents had been uh, published. Uh, absolutely certain that uh, all the safeguards are being properly observed. Um, now, having said all that, uh, you'll remember when I made that speech uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, about uh, the need for us to shift out of uh, a perpetual war mindset. I specifically said that one of the things that we're going to have to discuss and debate is how are we striking this balance between the need to keep the American people safe and uh, our concerns about privacy. Because there are some trade-offs involved. Now, I welcome this debate. Uh, and uh, I, I think it's healthy for our, our democracy. I think it's a sign of maturity. Because So here he is saying, I welcome the debate. And it, see, it appears to me the debate was wanted all along. He points back to the speech he had a couple weeks ago. That was the May 23rd speech when he was interrupted by the, by the, uh, the so-called protester who interrupted him three times when he was talking. Mainly we thought about drones. And I've always said you got to be real careful with this guy because he's slick, man. He puts stuff in, and it comes back and he says, Hey, remember I told you that? I told you so. I, I did mention that. And let's go back to May 23rd and listen to what he said about the balance between freedom and privacy when, the, when Snowden was not on the radar. Nothing had happened yet as far as we knew it from the public eye. Now, thwarting homegrown plots presents particular challenges in part because of our proud commitment to civil liberties for all who call America home. That's why in the years to come, we will have to keep working hard to strike the appropriate balance between our need for security and preserving those freedoms that make us who we are. That means reviewing the authorities of law enforcement so we can intercept new types of communication, but also build in privacy protections to prevent abuse.
And what has happened since all this went down? We now have the new rat on your uh, on your colleague program that the president has uh, instated. So we're all, you know, if we're government contractors, we're all looking out at each other. Is this guy, is he a crook? Is he? I mean, this is totally, you know, this is the way you, you start a, a complete police state. But I looked start. at all, <laughs> well, you really kickstart it when you get the, when you get the Gestapo looking at each other. That's when the real, that's when it really gets dangerous. But I looked at all the, all the actors in this. Now we have the following people. We have um, Glenn Greenwald. We have um, uh, Ellsberg. He's, he's involved. He, you know, he's showing up in interviews. Oh, yeah. Um, we have, uh, who are some of the other people that we find interesting? John Perry Barlow is out there with WikiLeaks. We know, I suspect him of working for somebody. Um, we have um, Jacob. Assange. We have Jacob, yes, Assange. We have Jacob Ac- Applebaum, who now all of a sudden is also a reporter. Now, J- Jacob Applebaum, who is credited with, um, the, the, I think, doing the Onion Router or the Tor Network, but he is the guy that became a spokesperson for Julian Assange, and he's the guy that tipped me off to, um, I keep forgetting her real name. I call her uh, Lainey Rufenstahl. That's not her name. Right. Poitras. Uh, Poitras. Laura Poitras. Now, all of a sudden, he's in Der Spiegel, and he's been doing interviews with uh, Snowden. And and he's the one that says, well, I interviewed Snowden over encrypted communications channels. This is in uh, in the uh, in the Spiegel, and he says that Snowden has admitted to him, Jacob Applebaum, that uh, the NSA created Stuxnet and did it with the Israelis. And this so this is now a big story. So I'm looking at all these guys, and then I read this this story in Salon, and I've got to read. This is uh, a, an interview with Laura Poitras. And uh, let me just pull this up for a second, because this was because what happened is Snowden went to her first, according to her account. And uh, and why would he do that? Well, that was one of the questions, I think. Uh, uh, This is a kind of an oral uh, uh, interview, just, you know, question, answer printed. So it's very interesting. How did this all begin? I was originally contacted in January anonymously. This is how far back this goes. By Edward Snowden. Well, I didn't know who it was. What was the format? Via email, it said, I want to get your encryption key. Let's get on a secure channel. And he didn't say what it was about. No, he just said that was the first. And the second was, I have some information in the intelligence community, and it won't be a waste of your time. Do you get a lot of those kinds of requests? No, I don't. Did you immediately know what was the best, most secure protocol to go about it? Actually, I did. I have a okay, lot of ex- let's stop there. Uh, this is odd, if you ask me. She's a documentary filmmaker. And well, then again, she has a great backstory. You know, let me just remind people of her backstory. Her backstory, and I, we actually played some clips of her. You probably don't remember, but it was over almost no, I don't. Uh, maybe a couple of years ago. We played some clips of her when she was on Democracy Now! and being harassed by the government. Yes, yeah, she's been, like me, she's been harassed and, not, and been held up at the border. Big deal. This has happened right, to me she many like she, times. She, but she had a very worried look. She looked like she was about to cry <laughs> she, during the whole thing. She does look very – she has a great look. Yeah. Okay, go on. I, I said, actually, I did know how to go about it. I've had lots of experience because I've been working with, as you note in your thing, I've done filming with WikiLeaks. I know J- Jacob Applebaum. I've already had encryption keys. But what he was asking for was beyond what I was using in terms of security anonymity. And how did it proceed from there? Well, that's where I'm not going into a lot of details, but sort of ongoing correspondence. I didn't know. I didn't have any biographical details or where he worked. had no idea. He made claims and said that he had documentation. At that point, it was all completely theoretical. 
Why do you think he contacted you? Well, I can't speak for him. I think he got it. Uh, what does it say? He told me he'd contacted me because my border harassment meant that I'd be a person who had been selected. To be selected, and he went through a whole litany of things, means that everything you do, every friend you have, every purchase you make, every street you cross means you're being watched. You probably don't like how the system works. I think you can tell the story. Now, this to me uh, almost makes no sense. This, you know, Laura Poitras is a filmmaker. Unless he wanted to have, you know, get a, a feature film role, why would you contact her specifically if you know that she's being watched by everybody? But here's the thing that that, that got me, yeah. to, that, that sent me into a tailspin. Uh, <laughs> I can say from conversations I had with him after that, I think he had a suspicion of mainstream media and particularly what happened with the New York Times and the warrantless wiretapping story, which, as we know, was shelved for a year. So he expressed that to me, but I think also in his choices of who he contacted, I didn't know he was reaching out to Glenn at that point. And here's the line that, that caught me off guard. You and Glenn were already colleagues, right? You sit on the board together. I'm like, board? What board is that? <laughs> no. Okay. Uh-huh. Look yeah, at the... This is a good catch. Oh, oh, no, this is beyond. Look at the Freedom of the Press Foundation, which you can find at freedom, uh, pressfreedomfoundation.org. And here they are, ladies and gentlemen. The Board of Directors. Daniel Ellsberg. Glenn Greenwald. John Cusack. John Perry Barlow. Josh Stearns. Laura Poitras. Rainey Reitman. Trevor Tim, Zenny Jardin, Micah Lee. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I'm like, wait a minute. And you know me, when it's come to a fo- any good foundation, I'm all over it. So I'm looking at, you know, for the for the 990s of the founda- of the um, uh, Freedom of the Press Foundation. doesn't exist because they are not a real foundation. What they do, though, is they take 8% of all donations they bundle, which they hand on to the organizations they benefit. The organizations are WikiLeaks, the Bureau of Investigative Journalism, Center for Public Integrity, Truth Out, Muck Rock News, National Security Archive, and The Uptake. That's who they're promoting this week. And they say right there, they take 8% of all donations to, I guess, pay for their own salaries. So who's really behind the Freedom of the Press Foundation? Well, it says it right there on their website. The Freedom of the Press Foundation is made possible by the fiscal sponsorship of the Foundation for National Progress. Gee, what is that, John? You tell me, Adam. Mother Jones. The Foundation for National Progress is, they don't even have a website. It is motherjones.com. Who, um, so they are a non-profit. Uh, They have a nice $9 million income. Not bad for a non-profit blog. Now, I have to say they also publish, they've been publishing for a long time. Very interesting history. Michael Moore was their editor, got into a huge fight. He sued them for $2 million. They settled out of court. Um, you know, this is, if you if you look at their, their reporting on 9-11, they are totally all in on the 9-11 Commission report. They laugh about the truther movies. They laugh, laugh about the truther movement. They, of course, do not report who's uh, donating this nine, almost $10 million, other than um, they break it up. $2 million is from advertising. Four million is from programs they do where, you know, so they have sp- specific, uh, I guess, fund drives, etc. And then there's another four million 
That's kind of how roughly how it's split up. Uh, that comes from directly from donors who they, uh, by law, do not have to uh, mention. Uh, but we do see that the George Soros Open Society Institute has uh, donated at least uh, $600,000 to them this year alone. So these guys, they're not clean. And they are funding, directly funding, Greenwald, Poitras, Barlow, Jardin. Come on, people. Come on. This is this is getting a little too obvious. <laughs> and Mike is in there too, that kid. Yeah. Huh. That's a good one. That's a good dig. It's but it's it, it, to me how can you have the, this this freedom of the press foundation? It's not okay. <laughs> Our mission Our mission is dedicated to helping defend and support aggressive public interest journalism focused on exposing mismanagement, corruption, and law-breaking in government. We accept tax-deductible donations to a variety of journalism organizations that push for government transparency and accountability. How it works. So what big news did they break uh, that showed corruption in the government? Nothing. Well, they must have done something more than just have a couple of beers together and and split up the 900,000. Well, all they all they are is a front group for for Mother Jones, essentially, uh, just to go collect money, and then they say that they're giving this money to to WikiLeaks, but they're not. They collect the money, they take eight percent. This uh, Freedom of the Press Foundation, they give the ninety two percent to Mother Jones, and I guess Mother Jones then gives it to WikiLeaks. Although I could find no evidence of that in their in their form nine ninety. Uh, so I'm not so sure they do that. Maybe they do, but you know, th- this Freedom of the Press Foundation is not a real foundation. They, at least they're not registered with the IRS as such or anything that I could find. But this group, Zenny Jardin, oh man, I've suspected her for a long time. Now I'm sure. This is a spook club. I'll say it. Well, that's a pretty odd group. <laughs> yeah. Sure. The only two people that were in the that aren't leaving having a wiki page is this Trevor Tim and yeah. Rainy Reitman. I've heard the name Rainy Reitman somewhere, but I'm not sure in what context. Also affiliated, according to the wiki, with the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which is also knee deep into this. Whole I also thing. Um, and I have my suspicions about them. I've had my run-ins that were not so great. I've had other people with similar complaints. Hmm, it's an NGO. Yeah, well, the, the yeah, NGO, exactly. So when I put all of this together and I look at all the pieces that are on the table, it appears to me that this was a very elaborate setup, and I'm not quite sure who's the patsy in all of this. In fact, I will say that the Freedom of the Press Foundation, these guys are probably more patsies than even we realize. They really believe that they're that they're great. I look at what Glenn Greenwald tweets all day. The guy, he's, he's very full of what he's doing. He, and by the way, Glenn, come back to America. You know, everyone wants Snowden. I want Glenn Greenwald to come back to America. Why doesn't he live here? Throwing rocks from Brazil, that's easy. No, no, there's, there's lots of patsies here. And uh, when you hear the president set it up... And by the way, well... Yeah, go on. Almost almost as a non sequitur in the conversation about drones and Muslim Americans. 
And all of a sudden he says, we need to have this conversation about the balance between security and privacy. And then a few weeks later, this comes out. Please, I'm, I'm not buying the coincidence anymore. I'm just not. He knew he knew it was coming. Whether he was complicit in it or not, he knew it was coming. It was known within circles by this time, because this goes back to January, February. They, they had already been, the, the Guardian had already been to the White House and to the Department of uh, uh, the Defense Intelligence and to the NSA. Everyone knew what was going on. They all said, no, this is good. Good to go. No national security problem here. Now, this this good to go thing is problem number one. The second problem, which I do have a clip on, and I want you to play it. Just tell me if you can identify this problem, because this this is Glenn Greenwald and uh, Democracy Now! Uh, with with our friend Amy. And there, there's a big hole in the way that this is presented, and I, and I think this probably helps you build your case. Developments over the weekend, and then we'll go to your latest revelations uh, about the countries that have offered um, Edward Snowden um, asylum, what happened to Evo Morales, the Bolivian president whose plane was forced down in Austria. Oh, please. Could I, this makes me want to puke. All right, we'll keep going. Because it was believed Snowden was on board. I think that the United States government has been its own worst enemy in this entire episode. The idea that they would pressure their European allies to block the plane carrying a president of a sovereign state from flying over their countries and force it to land rather dangerously in a country it had no intention of landing in simply because they wanted to deny Edward Snowden the international well-established right to seek asylum is a really radical and extreme act. It just smacks of rogue nation status and of the kind of imperialism and colonialism that Latin America has long chafed at, and I think that's the reason you're seeing so much support for Snowden in Latin American governments and among the populations as well. So for uh, for such a well-researched journalist, for someone who really does all his homework and is heralded as uh, just a fantastic all-round guy living in Brazil, why does he not have a copy of the aircraft Foxtrot Alpha Bravo 001, the tr uh, Falcon Trident, uh, as it requests to land in Austria because they, which is a lie, a pilot's lie, because they can't really tell how much fuel they have left. I will remind you with the clip. He says, do you need any assistance? And, of course, uh, the uh, what he should be saying is, you are hereby forced to land. Land your aircraft immediately. We know you've got him on board. You will land here now? Uh, not at this moment. Uh, we need to uh, land because uh, we, are not, uh, we cannot get a correct indication of the fuel indication. So, as a um, precaution, we need to land. Okay. So, there's the lie. There's your forced landing. It's forced landing. <laughs> it's a forced landing. Yeah. And these now, guys everyone's gone with this meme. All these guys have gone with this meme. And this is this gets to me because every time I watch the mainstream media or democracy now, I mentioned this in the newsletter. They're all in on this bull crap. Yeah, no which one wouldn't take very little work. I mean, we uncovered this reality. How hard is it? How hard is it? And unless you're doing it on purpose. And I and I you. think it's it's 
and, and the funny thing is, as more and more uh, revelations come out, we find out that Portugal never blocked them from going over. No. They just blocked them from landing. Yeah, they said we don't ha- we don't, we can't handle you right now, which is not unusual. Which well, is probably the- why he said, "You see, okay, I, I'm a pilot, so I get to, I get to say this with authority." When you want to change something, a flight plan, something is unplanned, you have to communicate with uh, air traffic control. And some, if you know the guy or the gal, you can say, hey, you know, I need you to, could, could you please uh, give me some, it's actually they say, uh, for your consideration. This is how you talk with air, with air traffic control. And for your consideration, this is what I'd like to do. But if you don't know the person, you have to say either, we have, you, you can't declare an emergency. You cannot declare an emergency if you don't have one. That can, that can lose you your license for good. But you can say, yeah, we've got something going on here that we don't really like. I've got a little fuel indication issue or... I've got a sick passenger, which, you know, I didn't say it a heart attack. It could be puking, could be air sick, whatever. These are the lies that you use. Remember that the Bolivian president had just come from Moscow. So the whole thing was set up. Hey, I'll make, we'll make a landing. We'll make a big stink about it. We'll do a press conference. That's what happened. And your great media, your gardens of, guardians of reality there in, uh, in Brazil and democracy now, they're all in on it. They, they, why can't anyone question this? No, no one's questioned it. There's always been, they've been forced down, and then their plane was searched because they thought Snowden was on board. Yeah. And there was no, in the reality of it, there was no thought that Snowden was on board. No. They, they, and nobody, they <laughs> gave him clearance to go all the way. I mean, this whole thing, I think Putin's behind it. Well, no, I, Putin is certainly behind this part. And of here's it. what we want you guys to do. You want to have the Bolivian guy, because they're trade partners they're, they're five hey, billion dollars in oil <laughs> i got a great yeah. idea listen to this now you don't have to do it if you don't want to but why don't you just go floating uh go into um in to head toward europe and then just get somehow land in austria by just request and you can do it a lot of different ways and then we'll dream up this bullcrap story and see what happens it's just it's just amazing to me that this has not been it hasn't. They haven't gone one one little layer deeper. They're just this whole thing. These people are just horrible. Here's let me read the the final. Why does anybody watch this news? <laughs> well, it's the, the, okay. Obviously, they got hot chicks. Hello, I watch it for the women. I even watch it for some of the Ryan guys. Williams. <laughs> Here's the final paragraph. That's a, this is a great interview. It's in Salon, by the way. Who are, I think are complicit in this whole thing. This is where Glenn Greenwald came from. You know, Salon is financed, literally financed. There were three million dollar a year deficit by the owner of Adobe, not the, well, the the chairman. The yeah. whole th- everyone's in on this. So, how did it get to the point? The question is asked of Laura Poitras, filmmaker, who who uh, Snowden reached out to because that's that's the person I'm going to go to. Yeah, someone being constantly watched. Yeah, I'm going to go to the person constantly watched who has no newspaper. How did it get to the point where you knew it was going to be a story, and how did you decide where where it was going to be published? So right here, Salon is presuming in the questioning that she determined where it was going yeah, to be she published. Yeah, she was the point guard. She's the handler. She's the handler, yeah, of her, the story. Her answer. Those are details I'm not going to go into. What? What I, what I can say is that once I had a few pieces of correspondence, I said... Let me ask a couple of people about this, people who have experience. And I sat down with a couple of people, one of whom was Bart Gelman. Now, Bart Gelman at that point was not working for the Washington Post. You'll recall him saying, 
that he was brought in as a consultant to publish this story. So right. he actually walked the story to the Washington Post. This thing, it's its a setup. It's a club. It stinks. It's, it stinks. <laughs> it stinks of a cleanse, cleansed out intestine. So let's listen to a couple of things from this guy who was the really old, old one of the oldest. I've never seen him before. never heard him before because I, I, when it comes to whistle, whistleblowers from the NSA, I've always been a fan of Benny's. Yeah. Because Benny, I've seen him do public speaking. I've listened. We've had clips of him, and he seems genuinely annoyed. Yeah, but he's, I mean, he's not dynamic, though. Benny is kind of like the no. He's not dynamic no. at all. He's he's like a like the pissed off, boring person. He's like the guy with the red stapler. So let's <laughs> right. I got my staple. <laughs> if there's my staple, I'm going to burn the place down. They're going to burn the place down. So. Uh, Let's listen to this Tice character who's on Russia. This, by the way, got most of the attention of the of the Twitterers and all the people that now, are now somewhat. We've, we, we've run Tice before, right? Tice is the guy that said he he even uh, had to eavesdrop on uh, then Senator Obama. Yeah, because Tice had a thing on boiling frogs. He was interviewed. Yes, yeah, by Carter B. Smith, who's an old-fashioned guy. He's an old DJ type, and he so every question is like this. Well, Adam, uh, how, what else did you find? In fact, if we're doing the thing now with the, the thing you just gave, I would be, yeah. what, well, Adam, what, what else did you find out about John Perry Barlow? Well, I found out that he is a former cattle rancher and one-time lyricist for the Grateful Dead. And can I ask you another question? Yes, please go ahead. On the list of key people on the Freedom of Press Foundation, <laughs> yes. why is uh, John Cusack mentioned? I think, think probably because he has done many military-industrial complex movies. You remember the one he did about the war in Iraq. You remember that this guy is a total shill and paid actor for the MIC. Oh, very good, Adam. Very good report, I will say. No, my, my, my thanks goes to you, Sir Dvorak. I'm always happy to be on your program. So anyway, so Carter B. Smith is interviewing like that with with Tice, and it's just you can't keep it. Yeah, you're just almost like cracking up all the time. So because it's not conversational, which is really you know it's, very, it's old fashioned. Right. So let's listen to Tice though more recently, where he actually brought out a couple of new little tidbits about he was the guy who was uh, right was involved with this spying on Obama in 2004. Uh, let me, but I have he, he's because he's a whistleblower. He is a, yes. an NSA whistleblower. Is he NSA or CIA? Yeah, no, no, he was NSA. NSA. How come he's not dead or in jail? Well, I think he was. Well, that's a good question. <laughs> it doesn't qualify as a great question, but it's worth noting. It's worth noting, but we'll we'll play him anyway, even though he's you know he seems like a nice enough guy. But he's he's been out of the NSA for so long they can always just ah, what does he know? So let's play. I got three clips from Tice, which have a couple little interesting little items we may want to discuss. Play one. You've alleged that the NSA abuses go far beyond what people are even talking about right now. How far does it go, Russ? Well, it, it goes very far because initially what I saw was uh, they were targeting news organizations. They were char targeting, targeting U.S. companies that did international business. They were charging, uh, looking at financial institutions. But they were also going after um, the State Department and uh, Secretary of State Colin Powell at the time. And they were going after high-ranking military generals. And that was just with my space capabilities that I saw. Now, later, when I got together with colleagues, and we started to put together the terrestrial side. That's the side that is being done with all those nodes all over the country with the fiber optics and that sort of thing. Then we found out that it got much worse. 
because, and this was just the phone that we were looking at, but it was also being done at the email level, but, but that wasn't the information I was getting. The information I was seeing were phone numbers that were being plugged into a system that was going after uh, people's phone, uh, phone numbers and associated numbers, and a lot of, a lot of numbers I wasn't even sure, but they went after, they went after law firms and lawyers. They went after um, more generals. Uh, General Petraeus was one of the guys. It seemed like right about that three-star level was they were going after admirals and generals. They went after the Supreme Court, of which I held uh, Judge Alito's paperwork in my hand, numbers associated with Judge Alito that someone had put into the system that NSA used to spy on Judge Alito. And let's just break this down a little bit because these are explosive allegations right now that I have not heard anyone talk about before, that there are actually orders that you personally saw in your hands to wiretap Judge Alito, high-ranking intelligence officers, David Petraeus, Barack Obama. Wannabe Senator Barack Obama. At that time, he wasn't even a senator. He, he um, had won his primary in Illinois. And I think maybe the catalyst, and I don't, I'm not sure, was the fact that he had just done a big speech at the Democratic uh, Convention. All right, hold on a second. I mean, yeah, it's not on PowerPoint, but he is revealing information that enables al-Qaeda to circumvent all kinds of measures we have in place. This, this He's a felon and a traitor. <laughs> and he's doing it with the Russians. Literally, he's on Russia-funded state media... Yeah. Saying this. And and the question you're asking me, let me try to guess this, what you're going to say. Why isn't somebody making a fuss about this? That would be one way of phrasing Especially it. Especially those, yes. those guys on Zakaria's yes. Yes. douchebag show. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Th- do, this is only to fuel the conversation. This is to give the Abby Martins, who I put in the same bracket as Alex Jones. She even talks the same way now. Let's break this down. This is explosive news. I know she's getting worse. We watch her get fat. Watch, it's going to happen, and she'll start selling seeds. <laughs> she's going to have a. Well, she. I don't, I don't you watch. Know. You she, watch. I think she's like a, a vegan or. You vegan. watch. You watch. You watch. It's all about to happen. Well, we'll we'll keep an eye on her. Okay, so let's move on with more of Tice. Yeah. At number two. Yeah, yeah. I guess the next Inclusive. question is who is who is administering the surveillance? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Um, it looked like. The, inf- the, the plugging in of these phone numbers was being done in the evenings at NSA. So almost it was like being done on the sly, even so that most NSA employees did not know what was going on. Now, a high-level person at NSA told me this was being directed from the vice president office. That would be Vice President Dick Cheney. Now, I don't know that for sure, but that's what I was told from a very senior person at NSA. Oh, so a high-level Bush administration official. I guess the next question is, why? Why was it being done? I mean, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is blackmail. I don't know the answer to that either. Um, what do you think? I mean, based on your experience, Russ, well, what, what could right. the reason be to... Yeah, because we were hanging out at the bar having a drink earlier. ...be wiretapping and spying on people like Obama, Judge Alito, Petraeus. They should put him in the club, in the Freedom of the Press Club. No, it's he's... not Olito, it's Alito. Alito. <laughs> but I like Olito better. That's... She's kind of doing what we do now. She's yeah, like yeah, making she's... fun of people's names. Well, she's apparently think... doing a lot of what we do. Yeah, so I hear. You hit the word. Uh, you know, to me, I don't know for sure, but that would be a means of control. If you were to look and, and be able to listen to everybody's conversation for years on end, for, for a period of time, you, you could probably find out perhaps some salacious information that could be used to control that individual. Yeah, salacious. 
Salacious. Salacious information. Did you, say, you said Abby steals Adam's line. What is this? Abby steals Adam's line. That's a clip I see. Play it. I can't trust anything. I mean, all these political politicians just seem like actors. I mean, I call DC Hollywood for ugly people. It's uh, just, you can't really tell what these people really think. But I wanted to go into the media. Oh, I I call I call DC Hollywood for ugly people because I heard it on the No Agenda show, and I can't think of a single original thought myself. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> all right, it's all right because we're we're raking her over the coals here. That's fine. That's fair. Okay, Tice three would. You know what she should do? Here's Abby. Abby, let me give you a tip. What really works, if, if you come out of like a package, okay, with, uh, let's say someone is a real douchebag, you go ahead and you say, what a douchebag. Say yeah. it. I'm telling you, your audience will love it. Yeah, they would. They I will. think you're right. This is, well, but I'm going to scold you now. The tip. You're scolding, scolding you. Scolding me? Yeah. Why? This is like free consulting. You're taking money <laughs> out of the pockets of my of child, the, of the Curry Devora Consulting Group, of your child, by just giving it away. <laughs> yeah, what do you got a crush on the woman? I'm sorry, I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> yes, I'm uh, appropriately scolded. All right, Tice three. Mm, uh, well, I have two Tice three clips. So <laughs> you tell me which Wait. one you want. <laughs> Intel or Please. police? Uh, okay, I think Intel. This, by the way, I'll, I'll set up the Intel one up. It's funny. Uh, I'll set up the Intel one. Uh, she's saying, well, if it's not, they're saying, well, is it possible that it's not Cheney? <laughs> Although I actually like that one <laughs> yeah, better. Yeah, very funny. Uh, it could be the, the upper echelons of the intelligence community, and he discusses that. If, say, it's the intelligence community. I, I noticed that the intelligence community is not being hit with the sequester, the intelligence budget. Well, how is that possible? Um, is there some kind of leverage that's being placed on our three branches of government to make sure that the intelligence community is gets what they want? In other words, is the intelligence community running this country, not not our government? Um, that's and I guess of, that begs the question: What is there some sort of shadow government at play? <laughs> I mean, are we talking about the military-industrial complex? Wait, wait! Can she say New World Order? Can she say it in the next twenty seconds? Here, what do you think, as an insider and through all your research and people that you've talked to, who's running the show here, Russ? Well, Russ, remember, Russ, I don't know for sure. Russ. I just know, I just know that a whole lot of people got wiretap. <laughs> but if I, if I had to guess, I would say it's the it's the the upper echelon of the intelligence, the intelligence community that is running this show. Yeah, nice choice of words, echelon. Always good to use to throw that in. And, of course, we know the CIA runs the show. Duh. And now we have the new douche from the FBI coming in, coming in from HSBC. The very yeah, people well, they got to keep everything, you know, this yeah. drug, the, yeah. back, the backgrounder is they're running drugs. Mm-hmm. That's why they don't want to legalize drugs in this country. Despite what did, no one wants to talk about Portugal's experiment working just fine. But what is it now? They, 14, fact, they 14 lie about years? it. I've seen. I, I had clips on it, which I haven't played, but clips where these guys are on TV saying, "No, Portugal is a disaster," <laughs> and in Holland, everybody's strung out on heroin. <laughs> We're all stoned, man. I mean, they just lie about this. And did and did like, you see Comey's um, uh, confirmation hearing? No, but play that right after we get rid of this okay. last yeah. clip. Ties. Ties. Right. Last ties. Tangible letter that goes to the post office. They're taking a picture of everything. They're looking at the, the return address, and they're oh, looking please. at the, the, the Oh, come address. on. John, the guy is just a promoter. 
He's just out there to promote, and he, he looks in the newspaper, goes, okay, I'll say that, and I'll say, all right, yeah, oh, it's crazy, look what they're doing. This guy probably never even went inside the NSA. Who knows <laughs> if he even worked for the rest of who's mailing something, and, and that is also being digitally stored. So every means of communication in this country, everything is being watched by, by the federal government, and that is Orwellian, and that is a trademark of a police state. Yeah, okay. So the fact that he's going on second-rate shows uh, like um, Abby Martin on RT. Break the set. <laughs> shows you, I mean, there's no ratings on that. There's no one watching that except people who want to buy us. seeds. And us. Yeah. Us. And I look at the ratings. I mean, come on. This is, you got you to be on Fox. If you're not on Fox, then you're not on news. You can, CNN works if you're on often enough because they might repeat it. So if you're on Pooper Show... Maybe. Uh, yeah, certainly no, not Aaron Burnett. Place. Uh, so we have this guy, Comey. Now, Comey yeah. was uh, in the Comey. Bush. Comey. Comey 2012. That's right. right? <laughs> yeah, close. Wasn't a movie made about him? Yeah. Comey, yeah. Comey 2012. This is the guy. Exactly. Now, a lot of people are looking at his history. Uh, Steck, by the way, one of our producers, is so deep on this guy and... You know, how the FBI runs Intel to get an edge on the financial markets, which I'm sure is all true. He's just, Steck is really deep into that. I love seeing yeah, his once research. Mentioned to, once you yeah. mentioned on the show that the real key here is just to switch it all around. Don't make it about spying on people, at least just generally, but make it about spying on people who are doing mergers and acquisitions. Right. Yeah. See what kind of deals, what kind of deal you can get in on. Yeah. You can get go long. <laughs> I mean, these guys are walking out of the guys who have. This sort of insight, they're they're walking, they go into a government job for eighty five to one hundred twenty five thousand dollars or whatever they pay it at, at these esch, at this echelon. They uh, they walk away with millions of dollars. How does that work? How do you make so many good stock market trades when it's not your job? Now, but, but here's what gets better with this guy. Now, he was in the Bush administration. He he was he also approved of waterboarding people. Okay, we'll oversee that. You know, it's like, we'll, we'll let that slip by. It's we'll whatever. It, yeah. yeah, he's just a bunch of Arabs. You know, who cares? And no problem there. We're all good. And and, and it was three hours of testimony. It was funny. It was like it was like a, like a bar mitzvah. They should have just given him presents. Just, it's like, hey, welcome to the club. Envelopes of money. Yes. <laughs> Taped to his Which back. I'm sure he's used to. to his, well, he's on the board of directors of HSBC. HSBC... Yeah who just settled for a little under $2 billion with no one going to jail for laundering drug money from Mexico, which yeah. is what the economy is running on. So I'm also not, I'm not against any of this. All power to you. It's all great. I'm fine keeps with that. Keeps the banks running. Keeps everything running. Keeps everything And by afloat. the way, I want to remind people out there, if you want to just make sure you have a little background on this, get a, a rent or get it off Netflix, uh, Cocaine Cowboys. Yes, And yes. see how, how the banks in South Florida. Oh, my God. Uh, how they blossomed and blew there was hundreds of them making nothing but money it's funny until the whole the scene dried up msnbc no uh cnbc they they played that movie a couple weeks ago you know they always have like yeah they have it's, it's like it's like a uh, it's like a schizophrenic network yeah it's, it's like they they celebrate so during the day they have the you know the stock market and maria bartiromo right. and all the money honeys and then at night they celebrate with shows about hookers and drugs it's fantastic like yeah. hey this is our other job. Look at this. So HSBC, who got this great settlement, he's on the board of directors, and the FBI's job is to literally stop this kind of fraud. This is what they're supposed to do. 
So this guy's going to be in charge of his former buddies. Anyway, that's fine. <laughs> it makes so much sense to me. But during this uh, this little confirmation, someone has asked about... Uh, he finally gets a question from a Democratic senator. I forget her name. She actually... Uh, I don't have it on the clip, but she says, you know, my dad's a reporter, so I have to ask this question. Uh, and no. protect the public safety. And I'm a co-sponsor of the Free Flow of Information Act. It was the first time it was um, introduced and am, am now to protect the freedom of the press. Uh, can you talk about your views on how law enforcement should balance one of our nation's most cherished rights, that's freedom of the press and the investigations of classified information leaks? Yeah. It can balance, law enforcement can balance it most importantly by keeping front of mind both of those values. There are secrets we must keep, and so we have to investigate their loss, and that may lead to bumping into the media. But Excuse me, I bumped into you. With my billy club. When we do those bumps, we have to understand we <laughs> essential. Bumps. You know, a bump is basically putting cocaine on the tip of your penis and inserting it anally into someone. Just so you know, a Comey, next time you use that phrase. To what a remarkable country this is, is that aggressive, sometimes pain in the neck. Press, they're a great pain in the neck. And so an enforcer has to keep both of those front of mind. Enforcer! And then in each case, try to work... He keeps using the phrase front in mind. Front in mind, bump, enforcer. This guy is gay. So you preserve both of those values. You're going to make mistakes, but if you keep both front of mind, I think in the main... Yeah, front of mind. It's in the front of mind. Get it right. Um, Front of mind is where you have a lobotomy. So I think that's probably why I need to keep it there so they can remove it surgically. And, and I'm aware of the S.H.I.E.L.D. legislation. I testified about a different S.H.I.E.L.D. bill when I was still in the government that didn't have a carve-out for national security, which was very concerning to us. I gather this is different. Yeah, didn't have a carve-out. A carve-out. A carve-out. Yeah, I love that. I mean, he actually pointed out what we pointed out, which is, which, no, of course, this is, just listen to nobody but us. But <laughs> yeah. he pointed out what the problem was with this bullcrap shield law. And yeah. when, the, when the media goes, oh, there's going to be a shield law, Obama's idea. There's a carve out. It's not a shield law. And I, and I, I just need to say it. Hold on a second. Um, what is that's First Amendment, right? Yeah. Okay. I just want to read it so people understand why this conversation by itself is unconstitutional. I shall read for you again because people forget to do this. Uh, the text. Mm. Wow, Wikipedia. Why don't you just show the text? Here it is. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Again, Congress shall make no law. Any So shield law is unconstitutional because it has the word law in it. Shield law. Congress shall make no law to abridge the freedom of the press. Done. And these people are sitting there with a straight face asking these questions and he's answering it that way and no one is going... Yo! <laughs> Wait a minute! I, it blows my mind. I know it does. You love this. I, well, <laughs> you love the fact that these guys are the worst boneheads. This is our Congress. Yeah, yeah. You don't, I don't know if they've ever half of them have even read the Constitution. You know what's really bad? Here we are, an hour into the show. We have not thanked our uh, executive producers. The only reason the show is on the air. So let me say right now, in the morning, to you, John C. Dvorak.
Well, in the morning to you, Adam Curry, and I want to also say in the morning to all the ships at sea and all the boots on the ground and all the uh, subs in the water and the feet in the air and also the dames and the knights out there. So I'll pick it up because you're clearly opening the spreadsheet. Uh, I'd also like to thank uh, all of our producers who uh, showed up in the chat room, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. An hour earlier today. Uh, also, thank you, Jack Blood. Uh, I think uh, th- there was some confusion. Uh, I'll take that on uh, on me that I should have probably mentioned it to our our crack stream team uh, who apparently weren't listening to the show. When we mentioned <laughs> well, it. Yeah, people are busy. Everyone's got a real job, John. This is all you know. They're just doing stuff for us. You can't complain. Do I'm not, not complain. Look- I'm just give. I'm I'm chiding them. Chiding them. Okay. Anyway, we appreciate it. Uh, so we because pre- it's important to, to have a live audience while we're doing the show. It does make a difference. It feels different. Also, thank you to our artists. Uh, thank you to Patrick Baus, who provided the artwork for uh, No Agenda Show episode five two eight. This is five two nine. Can't wait to see what we get at uh, noagendaartgenerator.com. And we have, uh, I believe, one or two executive producers to thank today on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay. By the way, we haven't yeah. made good for Michael Miller, Tipper yeah. We didn't credit him seventy-seven thirteen in the last show. Oh, really? I pay solutions, which supposedly has a note uh, from Oklahoma City. They came in with a uh, well. I have a blank thing here on mine, but I think it's oh okay. It's some, there's something amiss with this. For one thing, I don't have a note from any I pay solutions uh, that I can find in my inbox, and the amount given here is uh, is I don't know. But this will have to move on to the. Is this, is this just incorrect? This is something wrong on this? I don't know what this is. We have to move iPay Solutions to the Thursday show to uh, straighten this out. So let's start with uh, Sir Dwayne Mellon's song. Holy moly, is, Sir Dwayne. The, the Knights stepping up as usual. He, wanted, he came at 252 and he, of course, is the Baron. I guess he's becoming... Uh, so, you know, 752. 750. I did what I, oh, okay, I'm sorry. 752 I just got a, ra- a repaid for an old debt. It means I can chip in a bit more this time. Hopefully this helps the doldrums of summer. Also gets me my dukedom. Oh. So he's going to be the Duke of Oregon. Nice. Um, huh. He defers to the peerage officer for how big a chunk of the NAFTA territories I'm granted. <laughs> Take all you want. <laughs> it's first come, first serve this week. I think I'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss this over some email, but he'll probably end up with Jefferson. Which I oh, think would be that's, really that's, cool. That's a nice nice little chunk right there. Yeah. Sir uh, J.D. of Southern Silicon Valley, uh, 529. Oh, hold, hold on a second. Uh, did he want anything? No. He, did he want karma or whatever? Let's just give him some karma I think whether we should he wants give it or not. Regardless, it's absolutely. Roll it out. You've got karma. Nice. Sir J.D. of Southern Silicon Valley, 529.33, also known as San Jose. Uh, ITM, JCD, and ACC. Keep up the good work and the best podcast in the universe. Here's some 529 plain value for value. Thank you. Which would be the 529 Club, by the way. Uh, so you can keep oh, the nice. No Agenda Education program running. Keep, which is what we're doing. Please keep some uh, extra special little girl yay karma to the producers and their families providing some real education to the next generation accounting to follow. But I believe this makes me the black baronet. Sir J.D. of Southern Silly Con Valley. I thought you weren't allowed to grab a protectorate until you're baron. No, he's he, no, he has his part from being a, uh, 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 no, you get a piece of something. Well, I don't, no, 
Well, I'm confused. Whatever the case is, it's what he's got. Hey, I feel good today. Just give it to him. Whatever he wants, take it. Hey, hey. Yay! You've got karma. That's great. You're going to have to start drawing up maps. Yeah, we do. We, start we, to, we don't <laughs> want to see any, any internecine battles where the knights are fighting each other with armies. Can you, can you imagine? That would be horrible. Warren Carroll in <laughs> Seattle, Washington, 333. Uh, uh, the No Agenda Show has taught me how to question what I see on TV, which apparently mm-hmm. makes me question what I see on TV. Reading the news and hear from other people. Yes, which is the real problem, by the way. In the value for value world, my donation does not balance. With, just keep, when you talk to people about the stone thing, just say, you know, I've listened to the clip of the guy in the cockpit asking to land in Australia or Austria. How is that being forced down when he asked to land? Yeah, that pretty much discredits every single news agency that there is. Yeah, unless that, yeah. Every single one. Yeah, I don't get it. I'm going to actually tweet, tweet. Greenwald uh, with the with a copy of the clip and say what is, what are you talking about yeah. what does this mean How, what, what kind of what kind of crap are you trying to pull Glenn Okay that will be the exact words and you will get blocked How fast Or you think Glenn's just going to block me? Oh yeah Oh yeah this, would, He's not pure He's, I not, would do he's not pure I would, I would I would do the same I block people left and right. <laughs> But you actually you actually like to respond to someone and go You you suck blocked <laughs> I've seen it. I've seen. Yeah, it. I do that once in a while. I yeah. usually just block, but sometimes I'd say block. I always look, and if someone has like a hundred followers, I don't even respond. I'm like, screw you. It's not worth. Yeah, they're not, not having much effort. Influence. No, it's not worth. David Varney in Apollo, Pennsylvania, three thirty-three thirty-three. He's the last executive producer for Show Five Twenty Nine. Uh, and he says, Adam and John, a shot at karma would be greatly appreciated. Please keep up the great work. Thanks, David V. I think he actually wanted a shot of uh, job karma. Job karma, And right. I feel like playing it. Jobs, 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 and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. You've got karma. I haven't played that in a while. Now we have Rien van Rijthoven. Very good. Rien van Rijthoven. Van Rijthoven. In Hercules, California, the 250 buck level, he... Uh, uh, lives in the that's a terror Hercules. It's a long story. Used to be a, a dynamite factory. Anyway, um, hmm. the town. Hmm. And uh, I don't have a note from him. If he has something, it, I, I lost it somehow in my mail. I didn't don't remember seeing it. Pass. I try to pass the stuff on when I get it right to Eric. Uh, but we'll get back to him whatever he wants. Patrick Brennan in uh, Munich, Germany, München, Deutschland, two hundred dollars in the morning. Finishing my I'm night with this. Finishing my knighthood with this payment after Eric confirmed ring still available. If no one else from Munich has taken this, I'd like to be addressed as Sir Munchnuts. <laughs> curiously, curiously, nobody else has taken it. I, I I was thinking of making a T-shirt for myself, but okay. If if you if you really insist, Sir Munchnuts. Uh, shout out thanks to the producers of the Sheepole Airport, and would hope more sys admins do the same. Yes, so apparently he's a, taking advantage of our free Wi-Fi that we have I, offered. I think at least once a week, sometimes three times a week, depending on kind of the season, I get people asking me for the access to the uh, to the Schiphol Airport Wi-Fi that one of our uh, producers has set up. And this has now been in place three years? Yeah. It's such a great – people have layovers for three, four hours. And yeah. it's not that people don't want to pay for Wi-Fi, but this thing is like – 
fast. Not, not segregated. It's fast. It's like, let's see, you're on it and uh, no one else. <laughs> That's kind of it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of the great services that we provide here at the No Agenda Show. Um, anyway, he says he likes some um, job karma. And he just says, keep up the good work. and tells me not to let my tail feather fail or fall chopped off. And it was just kind of a joke about the last show. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Very funny. Here you go. You've got karma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And finally, Carmen Theobald in Aurelia, Ontario, Canada, $200. And again, no Thank note you. for from uh, Carmen, but uh, I want to thank them and everybody, but we'll get to the notes if they can get us one later. Yes. Uh, I want to thank them and everyone else. Go to noagendashow.com, noagendanation.com also, and click on the donate button there. You can go to dvorak.org slash NA, the key support site, and also uh, channeldvorak.com slash NA. Yeah, and just in case you you have trouble remem- remembering uh, all, all these websites, there's one, there's one simple way we like to program the brain. Dvorak.org Slash Definitely go there and hook us up. Oops, wrong one. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's so late in the show. Hey, propagate the formula, will you? Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. I would like to mention uh, two quick things. One, uh, there is the FCC has made. You know, it's funny because the um, you know the president put out an executive order which essentially says, uh, when time comes, I uh, all your frequency all belongs to me. Everything you've got that transmits, receives, uh, blinks, it's all mine, and I can do with it whatever I want. Um, that's I think pretty much a direct translation of the entire executive order. And while I was looking at the regulations of, of really what he can do, and of course the president can do quite a lot, uh, it turns out that uh, the FCC is making, no one's really talked about this, the FCC is making 1,000 low-power FM uh, stations available to uh, nonprofits. And uh, you can act, it's very simple, that, and I put a link in the show notes under PR, uh, you can go to the FCC website, you have to be a nonprofit, which is not that hard. Uh, you just fill out some paperwork. paperwork. Yeah, just paperwork. And then you can uh, become um, a, a community radio station, which, of course, would be perfect to do what? Oh, let me you think. Rebroadcast the No Agenda Show. Rebroadcast the No Agenda Show. It would be fantastic. Can you imagine? A thousand. That could be 200 per state. That would that would actually work, John. And we, you know, we could, and we could have, you know. 200 per state would be a lot more than... Uh, yeah. No, 10, what, 200 per state would be, yeah, no, you're right, you're right, um, that would be 10,000. But, you know, it's a start. Yeah, <laughs> 20, no, I think it'd be 20 per state. We, we get, we'll get maybe five or six to do it. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Uh, we were talking about all these journalists, and uh, there was an uh, obit that, uh, obituary that came through. Are you familiar with Austin Goodrich? Uh, that name rings a bell, but I can't, doesn't. I don't know who it is. Austin Goodrich of Port Washington, who uh, just passed away. Let me see who he wrote Wasn't for. Was that in the uh, General Hospital soap opera or something? Yeah, Port yeah sure. <laughs> he wrote for, let me see. Let me just see here. He wrote for, oh boy, how come I'm not finding this? Well, let me just read the, uh, the read kind of the headline. Because uh, no one bats an eye at this. Goodrich combined journalism with undercover service. 
You never know who might be a CIA agent. That was the case with Austin Goodrich of Port Washington. While Goodrich was overseas during the Cold War undercover as a CBS News freelance reporter and writer, almost everyone was in the dark about what he was really doing there, working for the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency and recruiting disenchanted communists to help the other side. And no one says, hmm, I wonder if there's more journalists who are working for the CIA. Instead, no, hero. And I'm, not <laughs> I'm not saying that he's not a hero. Yeah, but you know. Well, no, you want to say he's a hero because then you can encourage more people to work for the CIA. Because why not? Goodrich, a native of Battle Creek, Michigan, joined the CIA after graduating from the University of Michigan in That's 1949. That's when they recruit you. His CIA career took him to Norway, Sweden, Finland, the Netherlands. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Germany and Thailand. Yeah. Okay. Just so you know. Just so you know how it works. Don't tell me that it's not happening. Don't no, tell me that that little is very effective. Freedom of the Press Club is not some kind of, uh, oh, yeah. Who's buying the beers is my question. I think one of the, uh, I think it's, it's, it's funded. The beers are funded. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I still have this with this battle going with this. Uh, this brouhaha going on, uh, which I still think is somehow targeting Obama. Oh, no, I, th I think we're in agreement about that. But I'm still wondering, I, I still get the, the sense, especially after listening to Tice and these guys coming in at midnight, you know, coming, hey, let's go over to the NSA offices and run run the thing on that hot redhead we saw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's run that, let's run, you know, when I... <laughs> That's when funny. I was, That's funny. Cops and people in law enforcement generally will always run plates on the hotties. And Let, let's let's be honest. So, let's be so honest would we. we, we going would too. on constantly. So, um, so that's what you do. I mean, if you had the access to the to the terminal at what, what time? What's a good time to come in? Anytime after midnight. Nobody's around. Okay. Right. So you go in there and you punch a bunch. You with a couple of drunk buddies. You just got out of the bar. Uh, say, hey, I know uh, what we want to look up. Let's look up so and so. And then you start listing it. Oh, oh, oh let's listen in. Uh, hey, there's a call when he. There's where he's. What is this one? This is, he calls his his wife and then he calls this other number. Who is that? Michelle. Oh, that's interesting. Michelle. What's her last name? Oh, oh, oh. Doesn't she work over at the agency? Yeah. Well, let's listen to the call. Okay. I mean, come on, people. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's what they're doing. And so they're, and I'm sure the blackmailing is going on and all the rest of it. I mean, the, it's obvious to me that, I mean, if they were running the, uh, these machines are running, just listening in on Obama in 2004. So what do you think they were doing with Ross Perot? Now, this guy was. Yeah, he dropped out for no good reason, right? And he dropped out for some, well, some something weird happened there. In fact, just to remind people about the about the uh, the angle, the the or the blackmail angle. Let's play two clips that we played before. One of them is uh, I got the holder clip is number two, and the first one, which is Clapper, says no way. I just want to remind people that this happened in front of Congress and nothing has come of it. So what I wanted to see is if you could give me a yes or no answer to the question. Does the NSA collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? No, sir. It does not? Not wittingly. 
<laughs> there are cases where they could in inadvertently perhaps uh, collect, <laughs> but not, not wittingly. You realize, John, this is a performative that's taking place here. You do, don't you? Yes, but it's still what's called, even though there's performative, it's called perjury in most Well, instances. that depends on how you look at it, because the question is, can you give me a yes or no answer? And his answer is no. The question right, is he, the question right, is not. The question is, can you give me a yes or no answer? And he can come back and say, yeah, I, I answered the question. I, yeah, I said could no. Not I could, give could him not. a yes or no answer. <laughs> no, he, and he did not. He gave him the wittingly answer. He did not. <laughs> he said no to the yes or no question. I think question. it would have been better off without you throwing the wittingly in. That kind of screws up his, his argument. I but think, that's okay. I think it's ruined the word wittingly forever. Well, I mean, it's just... one thing for sure, <laughs> in any normal sense of the word, if this was a baseball player talking about a steroid use, which has been brought up a number of times, yeah. the guy would be hauled up on charges. But now, they're not even going to, uh, so what? Let him say what he wants. Okay. Meanwhile, of course, Holder, who is a much, much smarter guy so far as well, he he's knows. he's a lawyer. The, he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. He yeah. knows the law. Yeah. He's, not, he's not saying anything about anything, <laughs> especially when he can't say yes or no. I want to just ask, could you assure to us uh, that uh, no phones inside the Capitol were monitored by <laughs> members of Congress that would give a future executive branch, if they started <laughs> pulling this uh, kind of thing off, would give them unique leverage of the <laughs> legislature? Uh, with all due respect, Senator, I, I don't think this is an appropriate setting for me to discuss um, <laughs> that issue. I'd be more than glad to come back uh, in, a, uh, in an appropriate setting to oh. discuss uh, the issues that, that you have raised. <laughs> so, um, so, what does that mean? Wittingly? Uh, what does that so mean? So we have to realize that we're in a blackmail state. Yes. The yes. whole country is being blackmailed by anyone from the, the drunken goofballs who come in and hit the yeah. terminal and check out the redheads and find out where she lives and maybe they can ruin their... Maybe they can set up so that her husband dumps her by setting up some crazy idea, send a hooker over there. There's all kinds of things you could do if you want to get the redhead. And, and, or, and, and, and just not to gloss over it, but these things, it is real. These things do happen. Look at uh, Dominique Strauss-Kahn. You know, yeah, oh, totally. He was brought down as head of the IMF because of some scandal. I mean, these these things do happen, and and you need that. To, and from time to time, you need that to happen. Yeah, and and yeah. And, and, to, and to me, it's all good. Personally, I think it's always funny. It's like, why does it matter who someone has sex with? Why does that even bother you under blackmail? Screw them. This is the yeah, thing that well, the society society is. You know, there's one thing yeah, to be killing sex people. With little boys might have an issue. There may be an issue there. You know, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, stop. No, where is the Catholic Church going to jail? No, we have no problem with that. Don't give me that, John. Where are all the priests going to jail? Oh no, that happened well, ten years ago. Just Please. take it out of that group and just move it over to England and look at all these crazy or Boys Town or all this other stuff that's been going yeah, on. So the answer is. We don't give a rat's ass. We all live in our well, own little does, universe. And that's why they get blackmailed. They yeah. can, then they do what they're told. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. The I think that the, the more the, you have in the club, the better it is, obviously. That's what you really want. You want, so you anyway, want to promote so the system's it. in place to do this, and that's the way it worked in the East Germany, Stasi. Mm -hmm. And it, it's all over. We're done. It's just through. The country's over. I, you know, you, you said you sent me an email, which is highly unusual as is or i mean if it's not some bonehead chick doing some stupid thing on youtube which you seem to get a big kick out of sending me all the time 
<laughs> I really dislike that. You're like, oh, I take tried a- to bust me on. Oh, this. take a look at that. And I'm like, what? And I'm waiting for something to happen, like some guy to come in and chop her head off or something. It's just like some dumb chick doing like a. Yakking into the webcam. Doing a Zay Frank thing. It's horrible. <laughs> it is horrible. <laughs> and you've never, you've, I, we should make a collection of these and I should post no, them somewhere. No, we should not do that. This is not, that's not an outstanding product. Uh, so you turn me on to something that actually just freaked me out. And I think you probably got the same thing. I don't know why you sent it to me or if you felt it or, or and I don't see you have uh, the clip. So I'm glad that I can bring this up. Let's first go to san diego and i know that you saw this because this was kind of weird this said this woman is Catherine dvorak who uh, i'm sure is not related she does not look like she's related i thought to it you. was she was kim was it kim or Catherine? kim or Catherine? but you don't know her right that's just complete coincidence yes yeah, a coincidence i have i do actually do have this clip i have the do you, are you gonna play the whole no, clip no you the have whole clip? no i have a little piece of the clip i have this clip but then i have a more important clip okay i, I would rather i have the whole clip do you really want i have a minute 36 how long is yours I don't know. Take a look. Where is it? It's What's it called? The, uh, Hastings Real Last Story. Let me see. Yours no, that's not is it. no, 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 no. That's, that's not it. Thirteen, no, no, no. 13 seconds. It. No, that's <laughs> not it. Great. Uh, report from San Diego on Hastings. Three point five megs. Oh, the, the three and three. No, four minutes. No, I've got the pertinence. Please, that's too long. Okay. Well, I, I'm telling you. Well, I want this clip in the show notes. Then, of course, it's in the show notes. But I think. What I, I want the whole clip in the show the cl- notes. Yes, no, the whole clip. I'll even play it as end of show clip if you want. If you, yes, if you decide that. that my piece is not pertinent to what is going on. This woman, who is also, I'm not quite sure where she's coming from, as she tends to pop up kind of like as a freelance reporter for the station whenever it comes to government corruption and weird stuff. And so she's reporting on the Michael Hastings. He's the reporter who uh, crashed into a tree and the car, a brand new Mercedes Benz, exploded. And so here's her report, but then I want to get to the real clip which you sent me. You wrote your your first book, I Lost My Love in Baghdad. Hold on, wrong one. Oops, didn't mean to do that. Here's the San Diego clip. What else else stood out in your mind? Well, the fact that when you go to the the L.A. Police Department, then you go to the Fire Department, and you go to the different agencies, they all said they couldn't comment, and some of them said they were told not to comment on the story. So that kind of stands out. If, uh, you know, we look at the NSA, the government says, if you have nothing to hide, don't worry. I think it kind of has a reverse role here. Now, the... uh, I think we have video of the scene. If we could show the video, you can see what we're kind of... Give you an idea of what we're talking about. There is the actual uh, scene. Okay, so the, so I love this where her mic's off. As far as the accident goes and things that we do know, it was an extremely hot fire. And I've talked to um, military personnel who have said that this is a extremely hot fire. Now, I, I do want to point out as I was listening to this, you know, I have to be just as equally as fair as I am about reports about the Sarnef trial. You know, why don't you have a quote from a military personnel? I mean, that's kind of bullcrappy. That's just, I, I, I really want to believe it, but it's bullcrappy. That this is not something you normally see with a car like this. This is a 2013 Mercedes-Benz. And a statement from Mercedes said that they are aware of the accident and waiting to help the LAPD, but they have not got the call from Los Angeles Police Department as of yet. So that intensity of the fire is very concerning. And we're, all, we're also, we're just taking her word for it, but I really do want to believe it. And also the placement of the engine and the drivetrain, as we see here. They are completely between 150 and 250, 
50 feet from the accident. However, the car was going south and the engine and drive train were behind it. And after I spoke with a couple of university physics professors, mm -hmm. they said in an accident like this, the engines and whatnot would go with the forward so, velocity of the... So what does your gut tell you in something like this? You've been on a lot of these stories. What, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are you looking at and where are you, where are you going with this? Well, I'm looking at the possi all possibilities. I mean, he could have been drinking and driving. That's certainly something he could have done. That he was near the clubs on Sunset Boulevard, so that's a possibility. But I'm more inclined to believe that there were absolutely zero skid marks. So something else happened. Either the car malfunctioned or something was on the car that allowed that to trigger and blow up. Mercedes says their cars just don't blow up. They take great <laughs> care. It's a great line, by the way. We take great care not to have our cars blow up. For them not to do so. You said something also very interesting, that, that, that cars can be remotely controlled. Is that you, You'd mentioned yeah. something to that effect. A absolutely. And that came out of the University of Southern Cal or of uh, San Diego here. They did a report in 2010, which they took like a basic car, like a Nissan Sentra, and using an iPad like we all have here on the desk uh -huh. they they were able to hack into the car system and you know operate the accelerator the brakes windshield wipers lights uh -huh. steering so there are so many factors in play here there's there's a lot more investigation that needs to be taken here uh -huh. and I will continue to follow it obviously if there's any kind of foul play involved you know we want to make sure we get that out to the public um, now I, I need to say that it sounds like she's someone who's been trolling the internet and listening to our show as one example, and uh, and, and you know she she has she has no there's nothing there. It's just her saying stuff. It's kind of a collection of things that we've said. Yeah, as well. you'd think she'd put a package together. Yeah, no, there was no package. And all, take a picture of a guy yeah, saying some yeah. of these things, I, which is what you do on TV news yeah. commonly. I thought that was that was very poor. This is more like an editorial. Yeah, I thought it was very very poor uh, reporting. Although the facts, I think, will stand. Um, but I really don't know if the police, you know, I've said to the fire, you know, don't, don't, you know, if there's been specific, who told the police not to say anything, who told the fire department, you know, there's, there's a lot of holes there. Now, you sent, you actually, you, you told me I needed to watch something and you couldn't find uh, the video and I went and looked for it because you said, oh, you have to watch this thing, this Michael Hastings interview. Um, it's it's really worth it. And I'm like, well, what, where was it on te television? Yeah, somewhere. Thanks, John. Really helpful. You find me a link. Uh, part of the Dvorak tradition, as as <laughs> Catherine would point out to you. <laughs> exactly. Well, you you've held up the family honor. So I go and I find this thing, and I and you have you really have to see the video to really uh, truly appreciate what happens here. Uh, this is um, uh, the guy I forget his name who uh, who has a, a show on CNN and his wife. Sitting at the table interviewing Michael... Margaret Hoover, by the way. Who's that? That's his wife? If, if that's... if you, I didn't know that that was his wife, but the woman yeah. sitting next to him yeah, is it's Margaret Yeah, it's Hoover. his wife, yeah. And he's sitting... Who used to be with Fox. Yeah, and he's sitting with Michael Hastings and his wife. And I he, right. and I heard this interview, and and you have to really take it into context. I think Michael Hastings has been managed by the CIA for many years... Uh, they've been they've kept a very tight rein on what he has published. He's been completely handled, and this bodes very very poorly for me personally. You wrote your your first book. I lost my love in Baghdad about a girlfriend of yours at the time who was killed in the war. How much have you spoken about that? 
I mean, we've spoken about it a fair amount. I met him as a friend when he was going through the aftermath of this tragedy, and I got to see just, you know, how horrible and just how sad you were. Okay, now let me just set this up for you, because this is how I view the world, and you may think I'm a disgusting prick. I I know what you're going to say, too. Yeah, because this guy's wife, his girlfriend, dies in a horrible way in Iraq, and then all of a sudden this hot blonde shows up to console him. Okay, and he winds up marrying her. Incredible process that you went through, um, you know, in terms of mourning and then uh, meeting Elise and being open to. Well, yeah, I think you know I was very fortunate to have fallen in love with with an, an, an amazing woman, and she was you know killed uh, in a sort of in a very horrible, horrific way in Iraq. I mean, this is one of the other reasons why. You know, we, we can have this sort of intellectual conversation about Iraq, and I can throw these numbers out there, but at the end of the day, nothing that anyone is going to tell me really is going to change my mind about how I feel deeply about about that war because of this sort of traumatic experience to see what happened to her family, her friends, her loved ones. I thought, I thought, I mean, the, the first, uh, the, the, the name of the book I wrote in, in her honor was I Lost My Love in Baghdad because I, I, I didn't think I could love again. I was, I was, uh, you know, I feel very blessed and fortunate that uh, Elise, <laughs> you know, would have me. And, and I think, uh, you know, the fact that uh, she was able to, to sort of get past that is, to me, you know, I feel pretty lucky. One final Now wait for it. Note. It's been misreported that Michael was working on a piece about Jill Kelly at the time of his death. In fact, his final unfinished story was about CIA director John Brennan. And Elise is now working on finishing that story on Michael's behalf. Okay. Who is Elise Jordan, everybody? Well... Very interesting. Um, now, you may or may not know the New York Times published an obituary about Michael Hastings, which uh, caused a little bit of a ruckus in the press circles because they kind of discredited the work he had done on bringing down General McChrystal. And, right. We and, had clips on that. Right. And as a response to this, at least uh, his new wife, who he, who shows up miraculously uh, in, uh, in Iraq and uh, he falls in love with, says that she personally, she personally transcribed all of the tapes that uh, Michael did with uh, for the McChrystal piece. So she was intimately involved, and she personally transcribed them, which, of course, leaves a lot open to interpretation. Now she is also going to personally finish the piece on uh, former CIA uh, director... Uh, no, not Brennan. No, not Brennan. Who was it? No, uh, Petraeus. No, no, no. Yes. The piece he's working on now is about death. Brennan. No. No, play that clip again. Pretty lucky. One final note. It's been misreported that Michael was working on a piece about Jill Kelly at the time of his death. In fact, his final unfinished story was about CIA director John Brennan. I'm sorry, you're right. Brennan. Regardless, she is going to finish the piece on Brennan. She is also a member of the Phillips Foundation, which is not to be, uh, she's a, let me read her bio. Elise Jordan is a journalist and commentator whose writing on politics and foreign policy has been published in The Atlantic, Newsweek, Daily Beast, Marie Claire, blah, blah. Frequent guest on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, also commented on BBC, Fox uh, oh, let's see. She worked with the State Department as a speechwriter to Condoleezza Rice in the White House Office of Presidential Speechwriting in 2007 
She joined the National Security Council, where she worked on press and communication strategy for Afghanistan, Iraq, Pakistan. While at the White House, Elise worked for extended periods at the U.S. Embassy Baghdad and for the Commanding General Strategic Advisory Group at the International Security Assistance Force, that's ISAF. She's on the board of UNICEF's Next Generation. She's a graduate of Yale. Kind of sounds like a, like a, like a Bob Woodward story. She is... I believe she was Michael Hastings' handler. And this bodes very poorly for me. Why? You think Mickey's your handler? Totally. One bad oyster. You guys have always talked about this. Oh, yeah. I go too far. I go to the minute she starts taking an interest in cooking. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) I'm out. No, this is not good. This is definitely not good. So uh, and did you see? Did, you saw the interview. Did you see the look on her face when he when she was looking at him when he was talking about how she showed up? It, it truly disturbing, truly truly disturbing. I really think that she was handling him. Well, whatever the case, she's not handling him anymore. The um, yeah, that's true. I think I I, I here's the way is, it, this should play out then based on this thesis and. And I'm not going to argue against the thesis because I've always thought the same thing. Uh, I, she'll win a Pulitzer or some oh, journalistic totally. award. Yes, that'll be really high end, and for this probably the Brennan piece mm-hmm. uh, when she finishes it, and it'll come out making Brennan look like a uh, beleaguered, hardworking son of a bitch. Yep, and uh, and it'll be it'll have all kinds of it'll have a number of 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 kill shots on people that whoever's running things now are, are trying to get maybe Obama and very, possible. Uh, very, very possible. And so the be, so it'll, it looked like a revealing piece, but it really won't have much to do with Brennan. Right. And it'll win some sort of an award or two, maybe, or she'll get something for something else that someone will have written for her. And, uh, although she probably can write, and uh, and then she'll become very famous, and next thing you know, she'll be on the circuit. You know, and it, it, yeah. it'll be a sympathy vote for her, and she'll be just like Bob Woodward. She'll be doing these big books, <laughs> yeah. making lots of money. Yeah. Now I'm I was brought up. I think it was a uh, log and Steck who brought up this uh, this guy who he saw. I, I think it was Steck. Uh, this James Bamford, who is one of these characters that's either you know just a phony stooge or he's, he's got a whole bunch of books about the NSA. He purports to be this big NSA expert. And so I started looking into this character mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. there was a couple of things in here that he's talking about. Uh, that he, he does all these, he, he did a, a, he's done two or three books on the NSA. I think they're just all smoke screens. And he talks about how they, they're capturing everything, including microwave transmissions. And that's the one that kind of got me in there. And he specifically goes on about how they do this. Okay. Now, microwave transmissions are point to point. Uh, usually, there's a you see these things all over the place. There's one on the Bay Bridge. It's like a look around. Looks like a, a it's like a it's like a small satellite just round. Usually, yeah, with a, with a cover on. Yeah, with like a do, a dome or a, a pointy cover. Right, and you point it at another one of these transmitters, and they, they shoot. Uh, they can you, you can shoot maybe forty miles if you're you, you I, I, you can, I think you can pretty much get until the curvature of the Earth hits. I mean, you, the, you, if you have enough power, because of course it's microwave, so your wavelength is you know, very short. Uh, yeah, but you need you, you wouldn't be shooting it that far. Nobody would. It's just a waste of energy. You tend to shoot. It you could shoot the, it at someone's head, and that wouldn't be a waste of energy. It would, but the point is, is that they have limited distance. 
But he claims he made this claim uh, that by that the NSA has satellites that are in space and they they pick up the transmissions from the one microwave to another because the microwave will shoot at the other at the receiver and then it will you know part of it will because it, it starts to expand a little bit part of it will get past and go into space into deep space yeah this microwave and there'll be coincidentally a satellite positioned at perfect spot to pick up the trend not not to say that there's not thousands of these little microwaves (laughs) shooting every which way yeah and somehow this microwave transmission is going to get into space and then get picked up by the nsa and with and apparently without handshaking which is necessary for any sort of electronic communication it's just not it's not like throwing a bucket of water into another bucket of water there's a lot of transmission that goes back and forth to to make sure that you're getting it because you don't just send stuff you have to have the um, other guy. Now, you I, have to do an act somewhere along the line. Yeah, but you can. There be, is no way a satellite. No, hold on, hold on. Let me let me let me just any of this let me push back off. just a little bit. You, if let's say uh, a transmitter and a receiver or tr- two transceivers are communicating and they're sending an act, uh, that would be an, an acknowledgement packet. But if you go past that receiver into the curvature of the Earth into space, so you're essentially behind it, a little bit behind and a little bit above it, you can you can still receive the transmission from the original sender. You're just intercepting while it's acting with its with the other transceiver. I, I mean, I'm I don't know how much power is going on and how far it would travel, but I'm not going to dismiss it right off the bat. I am. It's bullshit. No, I, I'm not so sure. I mean, I Ugh. I've communicated with satellites with my little uh, with, with my little five watts here. I mean, you can yeah, do little, quite a is bit. It microwave is a little microwave thing, directional microwave you're using and on your little five watts. Yeah, it's directional microwave. Well, I'm receiving directional microwave. The sending is no, you're just not. you're receiving a broadcast. No, it's a no, broad, it's no. not directional. It's not beamed at you. It's it from no. a satellite. There's Adam over there in Austin. Let's aim the satellite directional antenna at him and and beam it to him. If you'd let me finish, the satellite comes over. It has a footprint. It has a quite narrow footprint, and you have about a five-minute window to communicate with it. So it's not specifically pointed at me, but it is pointed at a – it has a footprint that it is sending down. But that's sending down. I'm sending up purely with non-directional antenna. I'm sending up from a, a vertical polarized antenna, and it's and it's getting to me. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot about RF. That, be careful. I know a lot about RF. I know about RF too, and I know that this was bullcrap. What they say I'm that, not so that sure. I've got a transmission from Union Oil in San Francisco hitting a little pot over here, over by the refinery, and that somehow and, and by the way, these things are like forty uh, feet above the ground. Somehow, this thing is going to go all the way through the Earth's atmosphere, all the way past. Where the curvature yeah. of the Earth begins, yeah, that's and very into possible. space, where coincidentally there's a satellite waiting there to listen, because yeah. it's somehow been positioned there. If you're repositioning these satellites to listen in on all this crap, these things are going to be dead in no time because they have need little rockets to move them around. Well, they have, first of all, they have enough of them. Uh, you know that the entire low Earth orbiting satellite ring that was supposed to be that great phone sat uh, sat phone system was bought up. Uh, so you can easily use the low the low orbiting uh, satellites for that. There's enough of them, and uh, yeah, I'm, I mean I've communicated on uh, uh, yes a longer wavelength, but I get around the Earth with 200 milliwatts. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I've seen a lot of things that are possible, 
and I'm not going to say it is impossible. I'm just not. It's impossible. No, it's, I think I think you're incorrect in this, and I think I have more experience. I don't care about your experience. You're obviously <laughs> completely oblivious to directional microwave of, of these repeaters that are. No, I'm not. I'm here. not. Obli- I am very clued into it, which is why I'm saying I think that you can get some scatter from the back end. I think it would be possible. I'm not ruling that out. I'm not saying you can do it. With accuracy every single day, I'm not saying that it will always work. It depends on a lot of factors, which you don't know either, including uh, transmitted uh, we'll power. We'll like one of our experts out there. As well I'm as an, the I pra- am an expert. What are you talking about? You're not, you don't run a satellite business. <laughs> Let's get somebody who runs a oh, satellite yeah? business. Watch me shut off your, your direct TV. The practicality of this bull crap. All right. I'm, I'm, look, we, we can, uh, we can, I'm sure in the lab anything's possible. No, I'm saying that I think it's possible. But okay, it doesn't. It's irrelevant. I don't even know why it's such a big deal. I just find it because we have another poser out there. Oh, okay. Well, they're all posers. Okay, I have the clip of the day. Then we'll just go to that. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. All right. So here, you, you, we've talked about this on the show before. Do you remember in the radio days, they'd send you a record, usually a big transcription record, and the, and then a script? Yeah, and then you ask the questions, and then you just basically cut in the answer so it sounds like you do it. I've done this on television. You do it on, you can do it live. I, can, I actually, I've done it live. I, uh, I'll just repeat it for people who haven't heard it. Uh, when I was doing the program Countdown in the Netherlands, this is 1984, 83, 84. Uh, Janet Jackson sent out a press kit. It was a, a big umatic tape where someone asked her questions, and then they left a little pause, and she answered the questions. And um, I timed. I cut together a tape of her answers, and I timed my questions. We even put a little bit of satellite fuzz in there. That was before digital. It's like, whoosh, oh, Janet, we're losing you. <laughs> and that was my uh, my satellite interview as promoted as such uh, in the Dutch newspapers. They said, Adam Curry has a satellite interview tonight with Janet Jackson, and the whole thing was fake. And the, uh, you think they're doing this at Fox? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't believe that. So here's a little tidbit with an interview with uh, the substitute host for Hannity, who I think picked up the wrong question, <laughs> uh, and ran to Paul. And Rand Paul is not having any difficulty hearing. He's listening to everything. And uh, there's not like a bad connection, or in fact, it's, in fact, it's surprisingly tight satellite or or whatever connection they're using ISD and whatever. Support but, that. Uh, uh, listen, wait, listen carefully to the question and listen carefully to the answer. At- all right. Senator, um, let's talk about leadership very quickly. I don't have a lot of time before we move on. Um, the Secretary of State John Kerry was said to be yachting during this military coup going on. And then two days later, while the bloodshed was happening in Cairo, President Obama hit the links, hit the golf course. Your thoughts? Well, you know, I've asked uh, Secretary Kerry directly about this, and I said, I asked him, should foreign aid be dependent on behavior? And he said no. And if you're not going to make it dependent on behavior, what kind of leverage do you have with these countries? If they think we're a sap and we're going to continue to give them money no matter what they do, they're just going to laugh at us as they cash their check. And that's why I disagree with President Obama and Secretary Kerry that really, if you're going to give money at all, which is probably not a good idea, but if you're going to give it, it's should be dependent on behavior at the very least. All right, Senator, quick question. I want to get in here before we let you go. Obamacare, the delay to 2015 for the employer mandate. Uh, that's good. 
<laughs> that's good. Well, it's and that's a very nice transition. Um, I spent some time watching Jen Psaki, which you spell P-S-A-K-I, but I've learned her name is Jen Psaki. You know who Jen Psaki is, don't yeah, you? Yeah, Jen Psaki. That's our favorite. It's not uh, Psaki. It's Psaki. You don't say You can Psaki. call whatever you want, but I'm calling her Psaki. Do you know anything about her? Yeah, she's never worked for a living in her life. I oh, know that. oh, oh, I think you're wrong. Okay. I think you're wrong. Uh, she so this is very interesting, Jen. No, wait, let's tell Saki. people who she is. I mean, you're just well. I'm gonna I'm going to play a little clip here so you can hate her. She is the spokeshole for the Secretary of State. Don't have anything at the top. Uh, I imagine what made oh, and Arshad's back too. What a day! What a day! Oh, what a day! A hole. She is very condescending. Jen Saki. Um, let me see. Saki. Saki. She worked for uh, Kerry when he had his presidential run. Uh, then she came... I'm looking for her. I have her wiki page somewhere. Uh, then she came back in uh, to... Uh, she was the uh, President Obama's uh, spokeshole on the road during his uh, initial uh, presidential campaign. And then she left and she went to the Global Strategy Group where her clients were... Oh, gee, let me see... Oh, General Electric, uh, Al Gore, GlaxoSmithKline, Goldman Sachs, Microsoft, Silverstein Partner, Starwood. So she is a professional spokeshole who used her government contacts, clearly, to get this uh, cushy gig over there at uh, Global Strategy Group. Uh, but she is uh, having a very, very hard time uh, of late, because not only is our buddy Matt teaming up on her, uh, but also, um, who she, the guy she just mentioned in that clip, uh, Ashad Muhammad, she says, oh, you're here. Because she's afraid of these guys, because these guys are taking new prisoners. And it was I thought it was a very, very funny back and forth um, on this whole, can we call it a coup or not? And there's a reason why the administration does not want to call what has happened in Egypt a coup. And that is because, by law, in the Foreign Assistance Act, I think, is that what it's called? Let me see. It's called the Foreign, no, I have it here somewhere. Foreign, I think it is Foreign Assistance Act, uh, which, again, on May 23rd, was set up by the president. This is how, this is how slick this guy is. So... If there is a transition of power, uh, what we would call a coup, then uh, the, uh, the all foreign assistance, according to the United States law, has to stop immediately. It has to be suspended at the very least because you know, we're not dealing with the same people. And here is her answer to that because, you know, running uh, a democracy, if you've been, it's not just being chosen, John, you have to understand. Um, when are you? A, when when is it determined if you? What determines if you if you are a democratically chosen leader? If you really are a good guy? I mean, was that, somebody voted? Is there anything else that could be a part of that? No. You sure? There's nothing else. Well, you have to. Oh, uh, yeah. You have to do things democratically. <laughs> well, let's listen. We're in touch with you know what that means. Just to clarify. So when you say that, I'm um, sorry, said when you when you say that you're engaging them to accept the um, the process towards a to engage in the political process. So are you, are you asking them to kind of abandon their fight to get Morrissey back into power uh, or, or to accept his ouster? 
that's not a determination for us to make. We're asking them to engage in the process moving forward from here. But yeah, they did engage in the process. They did. And their candidate won. And now their candidate is not the winner. Now their candidate is the loser. And he is the loser because he was ousted by, by the military. Why should they engage in the process again if they did it the first time and essentially got screwed? Well, I know I said this so many times, people were tired of it on Wednesday, in that uh, a democratic process is not just about casting your ballot. Uh, there are other factors in terms of, uh, in addition to that, uh, including how uh, somebody behaves uh, and how they govern. <laughs> there you go. It's not just if you were chosen. It's exactly. This is how they think. Oh, it's not just about getting chosen. Oh, no. It's about how you govern, if you're a nice guy or not. And Matt is having none of this. It's really funny. It is also correct, after you responded yes, that it is continued aid is in the U.S. national security interest. So that's one. Number two is a coup determination, a legal determination that a coup happened would require a suspension or cutoff in all non-humanitarian assistance to Egypt, including the $1.3 in FMF. Is that correct? Uh, well, Matt, uh, because we're not there, we haven't made that determination. I know, but the determination that that determination would trigger a cutoff or suspension of the of, of the assistance. Is that correct? Again, I don't want to be analyzing what the legal options are here. Uh, that is being closely looked at. There are a number of factors that are being closely looked at. I know we'll continue to talk about this. Uh, in the days ahead, uh, but I'm not going to get ahead of where we are. Well, but I'm not asking you to get ahead of anything. I, if anything, I'm asking you just to just to confirm what the law says, which is that if there is a determination that a coup happened, that a democratically elected government was overthrown by unconstitutional means, that that would require a suspension or a cutoff in assistance. Well, that is that is that is. There is a broad legal definition. That is <laughs> Don't you love this? I love how she's like, uh, 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 well, I think she's doing really well at this. <laughs> please. Oh, please. This is funny. I, I'm enjoying her. Hey, oh, this is wonderful to watch. And she had, and she's a redhead, which, of course, you know, unfortunately means she has no soul. But that doesn't matter. She's also wearing a fire red jacket to go with it. It's just, <laughs> it's really funny. In, in many cases, right, Matt? But we're also right, looking Matt? at what happened here on the ground. Uh, there are millions of people on the ground who do not think it's a, who, it was a coup. So, the, so the, her, her explanation here is, yeah, sure, the military came in and arrested him. But, you know, we have lots of people on the ground who don't think that happened or something like that. We factor lots of factors in. We're in the... Uh, analysis process right now, and I'm not going to get ahead of where that may or may not go. Why, why does the fact that there are lots of people on the ground in Egypt who don't think it was a coup have any bearing on this? I mean, the determination is not being made by people on the ground in Egypt. The determination, as Matt rightly points out, is normally made by the legal advisor's office at the State Department. And through an interagency process, Arshad, that of course takes a lot <laughs> of factors great. into play. She's fantastic. Uh, I think she's much uh, better than Newland. Here, uh, I'll, I'll, you can listen to all these clips. I have them in the in the show notes. The, the, this was kind of funny. Where uh, there's there's like two little things here. This is uh, Matt is going to throw a zinger at her first. One last thing. I want to ask you about the current president. 
yeah. the temporary president of Egypt. That's Mansour. not bad. No, he's he coming. To be the he's coming. Hold on. Legitimate leader of Egypt currently. <coughs> he's uh, the interim, as you know. Uh, beyond that, I don't have a further definition for you. Obviously, there'll be. Uh, our hope is that there are elections. So, I just uh, will, will you let us know when the heat from the flames of the burning hoops that you're jumping through to avoid taking a position on this get too hot, <laughs> or will that just be obvious? <laughs> just let me know when the flames have doused, and then she comes back later with this one. Is it your view that the law on the law on suspending aid, if the legal determination of coup is made, of a coup is made, is is able to be interpreted that that it can be? Um, Sorry, interpreted is not the right word. That that there it is open to interpretation. Well, that the, that, that if a that if that it is possible under the law that if a democratically elected president is removed by a military in an unconstitutional manner, it might not meet the standard, the legal well, standard. Well, Matt, let me just be very I clear just, that our focus is absolutely on abiding by the law. Uh, that is being analyzed and looked at right now. Uh, there are also a number of other factors that go into our policy related to Egypt, so I didn't want to do one without uh, the other. Okay, so that just leads me to believe that you're not particularly, in this case, you say it's a case-by-case -case basis, but in this case you're not particularly interested in interpreting the law as it is written. You're interested in trying to find a way to skirt I think the, the, the legal office is certainly determining and analyzing the law as right. it is written. So you'll that, let us know when those hoops also get, ahead get to the fire of their own analysis. Hoops. And I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not aware that you are either, but you never know. <laughs> uh, do we have any more on Egypt? <laughs> you never know. Uh, this to me is humor. I mean, I watch this. I, I'm like, uh, I know I'm not a lawyer. I know you're not a lawyer, but you never know. You never Maybe know. You are a lawyer. You could be a lawyer. I could be completely wrong. I may, I may have misjudged that. I mean, it, this is so beautiful. And then Carney, Spokeshole Carney for the White House. He he. This guy has no shame. I mean, they should bump her up to Carney's job. <laughs> well, here's Carney, and he jumps through the hoops in a different way. Well, you are correct that the president has been meeting uh, regularly with his national security team about the situation in Egypt. No. Uh, you are also <coughs> correct, as I said yesterday, that we have not made a determination about what to call or label the events in Egypt that led to the... Uh, <laughs> Change in government. He can't say he can't say coup. See, this is the thing. The minute he says coup, then it's all over. Then all the money dries up. So he can't say it. There. What can we and use? And I tried to be very uh, straightforward about <laughs> the elephant in the room, if you will, by saying <laughs> I love it. I'm trying to be straightforward about the elephant in the room. <laughs> Just say coup. And there's an elephant in the room here, and it is in our <laughs> national. Interests, the oh. best interests of the United States, oh, right. and the best interests in our view. Oh, shut up. Here's McCain. McCain calls it as he sees it. Bluntly, sure. simply, was that a coup that we saw last week? It was a coup, and <laughs> it was a, the second time in two and a half years. All right, thank you, John McCain. So you know that when McCain, McCain is always on the money side, so he, there's something going on with this. And he calls it a coup. But again, I go back. Coup. I go back to May 23rd, and our, our president, slickest guy ever, he's really slick willy, can dry up and blow away because Obama is slick. What did he say? I mean, it, this was like such an... You have to go back to these things all the time. And so the president was talking about mainly drone strikes. He threw in the Snowden thing.
right, as we heard earlier. But he also threw this in, out of the blue, for no reason. But it will also require resources. I know that foreign aid is one of the least popular expenditures that there is. There was, I didn't understand why he was talking about this at the time. This just, he just threw this in there. We didn't even notice that he was talking about foreign aid. That's true for Democrats and Republicans. I've seen the polling. Yeah. Even though it amounts to less than 1% of the federal budget. In fact, a lot of folks think it's 25%, if you ask people on the streets. Less than 1%. So the, here, here he is really setting up the importance of foreign aid, foreign assistance, uh, to mainly to Egypt, and how we cannot have a strategy without this, regardless of what happens. Still wildly unpopular. But foreign assistance cannot be viewed as charity. It is fundamental to our national security. And it's fundamental to any sensible long-term strategy to battle extremism. Moreover, foreign assistance is a tiny fraction of what we spend fighting wars that our assistance might ultimately prevent. He didn't segue into this? I don't remember. I, I mean, I, I had to go look it up. It, wasn't, it, was just, it just came out of the blue. This guy, I'm telling you. I think somebody lost a page. <laughs> I'm telling you that everything that is happening, and we're now like eight weeks later, he, he discussed in this speech. We've got the Snowden thing. We've got the Egypt thing. Uh, it, it, all of this stuff is just, it, they set it up. It, it truly is a script unfolding right before our very eyes. And I'm, I'm going to go back again after the show today, and I'm going to listen to the entire speech one more time and see what else I catch, because you can almost predict what's going to happen with this guy. He's, he's like clairvoyant. Hmm. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is weird since this is all done beforehand. And, and it was like, what? and we were also very focused, of course, on the code pink lady who stood up and was yelling. I think, as I think we discussed then, all basically a part of it. And like, oh, we didn't, you know, whatever, we didn't, uh, whatever, we didn't talk about it, whatever. Missed it. Well, it's possible that the code pink lady was actually code for this is the speech you should pay attention to. <laughs> pay attention. Outline. <laughs> Everything good is in here. Here's your year. It really huh. feels like that. It really, really feels like that. It's well, then it's possibly does one speech like that every year. Could be. Could be. And the, the idea is to f benefit from some or identifying it in some funny way. There was one thing that came up in the, uh, uh, I think it was the, an Egyptian guy. Maybe it was Muhammad, uh, Ashad Muhammad. No, it was... Yeah, I think it was the... No, no, I'm sorry, Brazilian guy. Because there's a lot of foreign press now showing up at the State Department. I have no. I guess they're not let in to talk to Carney. They only get to talk to Jen. Who, and she's sweating. She is sweating. It's kind of funny. She's glistening. Glistening under the lights there. And uh, this is where I learned about three new pieces of software that uh, <clears throat> have such great names. There's no way you can Google it and find out about them. But uh, this, this came in from uh, the Brazilian press. Uh... Could you confirm whether, with or without the consent or an agreement with the Brazilian government, the United States government has maintained a database of monitoring or a monitoring center in Brasilia, or have ever collected data at the embassy of Brazil in Washington 
or at the Embassy of Brazil in the United Nations using physical devices installed in computers and using software such as Highlands, Vagrant, and Lifesaver. <laughs> Highland, Vagrant, and Lifesaver. What does the Brazil guy know that we don't know? Well, I did get a comment, an interesting uh, observation from one of our producers, which is worth noting. Brazil, you know, they say, well, the Latin American countries are all up in arms. That's not true. Colombia, uh, regarding Snowden, Colombia doesn't want him. They've said so. Paraguay doesn't want him. Uh, Chile doesn't want him. And Brazil, above all, uh, even though Greenwald's there, and maybe Greenwald's behind that because he doesn't really want to have to hang out with the guy. <laughs> He's like, hey, you know, you're nice and all that, but no, nah, I don't want you over at the house. So um, pointed out that uh, there's a there's been this movement. I think that this this may be leveraged the NSA using the Internet to listen in all the stuff through all the various nodes. There's been this movement over the years. And, and, and Brazil, of all the countries that is now totally irked by this uh, snooping, uh, has been behind this movement, along with uh, Saudi Arabia, I think some countries in Africa, the Chinas, I think think to a lesser degree, uh, have been trying to get the United Nations to take over the Internet. Oh, okay, yeah. And so they're going to now leverage the abuse that our security agencies have heaped upon the world through the Internet mostly because there's been a lot of this is all, you know, the email and the stealing from the, the, the communications that you do through Google and the Google, right. all, all this stuff. Uh, through May West and May East, they have big boxes there. They can pick up the, all the international traffic. And somebody once said, <clears throat> I think this is re re pretty true, uh, 75 to 80% of all world traffic yeah, run, on the Internet. Runs, runs through those exchanges, sure. Runs sure. through the, one of the big U.S. boxes. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. And so now the whole thing is like a setup. And we have to consider that the possibility that this entire mm. thing is theater around this idea yeah. of taking the Internet away from the United States. And giving us Internet freedom. And Exactly. It'll be Internet <laughs> freedom. And it'll be run by the United Nations. Lo I love it. This is a good idea because we have to, we have to, well, holy moly, John. Here is Jen on just that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we are deeply concerned by uh, the new restrictive Singaporean policy requiring the licensing of news websites. We raise Internet freedom regularly in bilateral and multilateral dialogues. With now pay attention closely to what she considers Internet freedom to be. Foreign governments, including Singapore. We urge Singapore to ensure that freedom of expression is protected in accordance with its international obligations and commitments. Uh, we closely monitor and, close and, and often speak out, as you all know, on both Internet freedom and media freedom media uh, throughout freedom. the world. This case is no uh, different. And we are concerned, of course, to see Singapore applying press restrictions to the online world. Can you assure us that the reason that you push for Internet freedom and that kind of thing in all these countries around the world isn't to make it easier for this government to listen in and vote? <laughs> I just I want to make no. sure that the AP and Reuters stories are available to all the people of Singapore. Um, I've got a small one. I <laughs> that's all. That's your media freedom right there. Make sure that no agenda show shut them up, and make sure the AP and Reuters stories are available to the slaves in Singapore. Yeah, that's that sounds about right to me. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, that's where we're headed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Singapore, they're licensed. I guess you have to be... Uh, well, this conversation is now taking place in America. I was watching uh, some Fox crap, which I didn't clip, 
it was just too annoying. But they were, you know, there's people on Fox News who are essentially actors reading a script who were there discussing what a re- what is real journalism and what is a journalist and when do you get to be protected as a journalist. And it's, it, it basically just puts a big target on our foreheads. It's like it's all over. Eventually it will be over. We will have to – I mean, I don't know if we can – you can probably get a license. Can I operate under your license, do you think? I'll probably be able to have an assistant. <laughs> can, I, can I be your assistant then, please? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Slaves. Adam's going to read his email on the No Agenda Show. Hey, Adam and John. Recently started listening to your show. I find it amusing and very interesting. Appreciate what you guys bring to the public for the low, low price of free. Kudos. You remember this email? Yep. From Amin. Yeah. So first he says, you guys, thanks for doing this for free. And then he says, I wanted to comment and get more info on the comment Mr. Dvorak made around one hour, 36 minutes on show 506 about federal law trumping state law being BS. I ran this by my wife who was studying for her bar exam. She said it was completely wrong. And the 10th Amendment doesn't give state law more power than federal law. I need some ammo. Okay, listen, Mr. Amin. You are a big douchebag. Don't first come to us and say, thanks for doing your show for free, and then ask for like something so you can hit your wife over the head with. Are you insane? What an a-hole. <laughs> I, that really irked me when I got that email. I was like, <laughs> what a dick. Let's go work for him. Yeah. Really? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me just let me just go fix your wife. You know what? Here's what you tell your wife. Why don't why doesn't your wife put on her leather jack boots and march into Colorado and start kicking everybody in the head who's smoking dope and say, "Federal law trumps state law, you shithead slaves." Okay? Tell her to do that. That was a good one. Yeah. You have yeah. another good one? We got a few interesting notes this week. Yeah, I got, I got some other notes if you really want. Uh, let me see. Well, where's, our, where's our young listeners giving us the horror stories from their high school experience? Oh, you know what? Spring, summer break. <laughs> Spring break. It's, like, it's summer all break. over. Yeah, it's all over. That's why I dried up. Yeah. No, I, as we move into our thanking, uh, thanking segment of people who do support our low, 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 free, cheap show, this little, little cheap show you get for free. And then you can, and you get Wi-Fi for free. You get through airport security without having to go through a Gitmo scanner. You get all of this uh, analysis for free. And then you have the audacity to ask us to help you with your wife, who is clearly you should divorce her. That's that's your help right there. Get there rid you of go. her. That's get, advice. Get, free advice again. Free advice. Again, you're giving it away. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no. But here is as we move into our segment. I saw something. Uh, on CNN, which was, I mean, when talk about, you and I could have come up with this one. Now, let's say we have a brand new vodka, right? And we want to really get this vodka, you know, noticed. And it's high, high end, right? Now, what what, what could we come up with that would really, and, it, and it, this one failed, by the way. I don't think the execution was well done. But if if you really know what you're doing, I think that this is the way that we might have recommended this vodka brand do it. A few guys involved that are on video. Not your usual thieves. These guys traveled in style, a Mercedes sedan with a dark glass roof. And the loot they were after? Vodka. It's aged in cognac barrels 
for three years. Oak cognac barrels. It's made in Ukraine. It's called Spirit of the Czars, and it's not inexpensive. Well, they took 752 cases, and the value is $249 a bottle, so it's a little over $1.1 oh. million. <laughs> Company owner Mark Owen says the... You can't, you can't go to the donation segment right yet. <laughs> What? So we can stop with that. That is just a bogus product. It goes on for two, uh, two it, it full minutes. It doesn't really. You know, somebody sent us this other one, and I said, oh, this is probably crap. I had to, I ended up clipping it because this was much worse than that. Oh, what do you have a better one? Yes. Which one is it? This is the five eating McDonald's hamburgers oh, on no. the set. I, I skipped that one. Where, where no, is it? no, where, you had you where, missed where, out. Where, where, where is? Oh, here they it is. They have Gilfoil with the, the leggy girl. You know, <laughs> going. Oh, I love these hamburgers. Oh, oh. so good. <laughs> Hello. Now, uh, this of course is my segment, which means that there's nothing serious here, except that this is important. Freakonomics blog came out with something that was very important. McDonald's double, what is it called? McDouble. McDouble, sorry. Has protein, fiber, calcium, and iron. It's the cheapest, most nutritious, and bountiful food that ever existed in human history. Is this now, for real? Let me just tell you something. These things are great. Just everybody take a bite. <laughs> now, you're already healthier. Now, wow. Wow. Ah. It goes on and on and uh, on, and they're eating this hamburger. Uh, and I'm talking, I'm looking at this. Oh, going, this is man. crazy. Oh, this, this is, this is. This almost, is what you have to put up with nowadays if you're in broadcasting. <laughs> is you have to eat hamburgers and pretend it's, and pretend it's healthy for you. Oh, it was disgusting. And then here's the well, here's the kicker. If you wanted to buy, I'll just actually you should probably play this because oh, wow. uh, you might want to play the rest of the. Also, he has some grudge against one of the, I guess one of the yogurt companies that was trying to pl get a plug, and he he didn't get his money. <laughs> hey, they didn't pay, so screw yeah. them. They don't get their plug. But I want you. There's a little little gimmick at the end before we go into our donation segment. That I first I heard and I said, oh, well, this guy's kind of irked because apparently the blog or somebody stole his line. And then it dawned on me what was really going on here. And you, now you got to play the rest of it and I'll tell you what, what we see here. This is Five Star Product. Is that the one? No, no, no. The same of that same clip you had. No, that clip, that clip only lasted. I, I played the whole thing. Oh, no. Yes. Okay, so here's the way. What, I'll have to explain it then. It was 31 oh. seconds. I, but then you have a second clip. No, that's, a, that's an ad. Oh. Well, right. what this wasn't? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, you only, you only have thirty seven in the morning. Yeah, okay, I'll take it. It was only in the morning. It was only thirty one seconds. Oh, I played okay. The whole well, clip. I have, I'm going to have to go oh. back and clip this other part. Oh, because bummer. We'll save it. Save it for Sunday. Save it for Sunday. There was a very funny moment, and I realized I'm not going to save it. I'm just going to no, say no, what save it. Save it. Save it for Sunday. Okay, hit the hit the jingle. All right. Anyway, that, so I guess the point is, uh, I think we'd rather. Uh, take, continue our vow of poverty and just getting by and eating mac and cheese and living in Texas, I would personally, than, than have to ever stoop to those levels where I am sitting there eating genetically modified starch, fucking hamburger salt helper, grease. salt, goo, and intestine crap, and then have Pink to pre slime. pretend that it's good. No, I'd rather be dead. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda in the morning. And we do have some people to thank, as a matter of fact, beginning with Patrick Turner, who's in Austin, Texas. That's right. On $11.11, .11, the uh, Gramerica show in Calgary, Alberta. Um, 
$111.11. And it just makes a note. Darren and Graham of the Gramerica Show podcast. Love your show. Keep up the good work for those of us who can no longer stomach. I think I've heard their show. It's not bad. I've never heard it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say hey, what well, we've inspired, interestingly enough, we've inspired a lot of people to start their own podcast. And uh, and this is part of the reason why I'm making this device, because all they need is just you know, if you have a little bit of processing, if you have if the mix is a little bit better, it will just sound, you know, there's ways to do this as tricks. It's tried and true. We've been doing it for 100 years. We know how to do this stuff. It would make these shows so much better, and I think that we're going to be able to help them. It's a nice show. They, they got they got some they got their ideas. Andrew Green, hundred dollars in London, UK. Uh, just adding another contribution to support your wonderful show and keep the segment short. Thank you. Okay, stop right there. Andrew Haverson, seventy-seven thirteen in Gravenhurst, Ontario. Les Smith, seventy-seven thirteen. Curiously, oh, they're from the seven seven one three in. Uh, Tiburon over here across the bay. He wants to know if there's any good wines. I'm I'm going to say this one more time. I'm probably not going to say it too much. I've said it on Leo's show that the wine situation at Costco has deteriorated completely, and I, I don't review wines from there because I there's nothing there. Generally speaking, hmm. Brian Williams, uh, Streamwood, Illinois, seventy three seventy three. Uh, Brian Wojtek in Chicago. Seventy-one, seventy-one. Uh oh, and oh boy, Hello. sixty-nine, sixty-nine, dude. Now, it seems to have increased here. Oh. Uh, Chris Dudas, Dudas, Duda, Duda, Duda. The Camptown ladies sing this song all the Duda day. Who says we're his only source of news? Hey, I bet 69- he's never heard that. I bet he's never ever heard that joke. <laughs> What do you yeah, think? What do yeah, you think? original us. Uh-huh. <laughs> 69, Kevin Thomas, 6960. You ever tell it's one of these, you get some of these guys who got this obvious name where you have to tell the, one of the jokes that's, you know, because of their you name. You just got to do and it. And they always yeah. give you that dead eye look and say, oh, geez, I never yeah. heard that. Well, I had that, uh, the one I always hear is, where's Eve? <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. Uh-huh. Where's Eve? I don't see why anyone would say that. Oh, my God. That's all I heard as a kid growing up. Where, Kevin, your name's Adam. Where's Eve? Ah! And that you would, would by today's definition, that's bullying. By the way, that, total bullying, and, and you know, and I let myself be bullied, and uh, and I'm I've been scarred for life because of it. You should have what you should have done when a kid did that. You should have you should have just hit taken your foot and groined him, hit him right in the nuts as hard as you could, and said, right there, a-hole. Yeah, so what happened is I, um, I I was getting pestered at the bus stop all the time because of this, and you know, this was in the Netherlands, and was all the whole situation was weird, the international school, and then all, all these kids that went there, the, the, the Nagalskis, they're the three brothers, the Nagalski brothers, and they would all team up on me, and then I, so I went to judo class, and I was like, okay, I learned how to, you know, how to kick their ass. And then judo class, the first class, like the instructor, like scared the shit out of me, and I didn't want to go back anymore. It's like I have a life of bullying. It's just no good. Now I have guns. Come Chris, on, Chris Thomas in Smyrna, Georgia, uh, or Kevin Thomas. I'm sorry, Chris Frenthway, Frenthway in Fox Point, Wisconsin. Daniel Varga, Raleigh, North Carolina. Michael Kearns in Parts Unknown. Brian Brown. So we went past four already. Uh, in That's Orange, good. California, uh, he will not let up the swazzle nut, or will not let the swazzle nut in. 
end. He tweeted the Hastings video where fire and police were told to shut up, slave. That's uh, right. Uh, Matt Comstock, uh, Wolcott, Connecticut. Uh, he's a longtime boner, apparently. David Carey in Winter Garden, Florida. And we continue with Gregory Brinkman in Mount Zion, Illinois, and Edward S. Hines in Jacksonville. 69! 69, dudes! And uh, we've concluded with, uh, that's it. But that's a good run. A very so good run. Yeah, it's back. It's like, kind of back. It's kind of back. Kind of back, kind of back. Jonathan Rose in uh, Netanya, Israel. Net- Netanya, probably. Uh, 5510. Kevin Payne in Richmond, Virginia, 5069. And finally, Ralph Massaro in Kirkland, Washington, 50 bucks. And these are all 50s. Christopher Walker, Parts Unknown, Jason Fordham in Geneva, Illinois. Paul Vela in Milton Keynes, Buckinghamshire. And uh, sorry, the move the thing here. Sukovi Alexander in Moscow. Aye! Good. We have finally somebody who can get the broadcast there. Yeah, you know David. what? Get, get get Putin on the show. I mean, we'll even we'll we will even break our format if we can interview Putin. David Funk. No, we won't. We, I refuse. <laughs> okay. Interview right. him on your own time. But how about run, for the vacation? Run clips show. of Putin. How about for what? the vacation the vacation show? Yeah, we get. Yeah, no, we can do interviews on that. Okay. Now we'll, Mark, if we can get Putin for that. Mark, he actually would if, he, if Putin was ever shown listen to our show. He since we were on to him, yeah. I think he, he'd appreciate that. I think he would be he'd be giving us hookers. Very good boys. You like the redhead. <laughs> Mark Tanner, Whittier, California, and finally Brian Watson in Raleigh, North Carolina. And they want to thank them and all the other people that uh, donated lesser amounts, contributed lesser amounts, and uh, especially the subscribers who help us out on a monthly basis. Yeah, and please, people, check or your sh- check your five. PayPal because we got letters this week. Oh, we got a whole bunch of letters of people who are you know they're basically they're mad at us. Yeah, and they're mad at us. Why did you cancel my subscription? I have an eleven eleven dollar a month subscription or four dollars a week, and PayPal says you canceled it. No, we don't. We, th- that would be insane to think that we would cancel it. And and actually. One guy sent us an email. He said, "Hey, you know, I'm sending you a note. To what? How can I? What did I do wrong? How, are you mad at me because I asked about something? <laughs> like, no, no." And then I realized how horrible this is. Can you not call PayPal, John, and talk to them about this? I've sent them a couple of notes so far. I'll try again. I mean, it's really it's it's such such bad form. It's something. It's got something to do with their computers. That's just the, it's just the note that they set. Some guys set it up once and they have never changed it. Yeah, no, I'm sure it's some legacy thing. It's sitting there. She keeps cropping up, and they don't. It may be so locked into the code that they can't fix it. That's why they're not responding to my complaints. So here's what happens: is you have a subscription, and then sometimes, for for no apparent reason, it gets canceled. And now everyone says they did nothing. I think it it must have to do with either a balance issue or maybe a credit card a date. Most yeah, people- but it's got nothing to do with us. Yeah. The thing is, is that... Well, explain, you know, explain the note. The note says, the No Agenda Show has canceled your subscription. Please contact them to, you know, to see what's up. I think that's what it says, to see what's up. Yeah. That's bull crap. It's total bull crap. We have never canceled a subscription of anyone ever. Yeah, I don't even know. How, you can't even cancel a subscription. Do you even know how? Can you do that? From, from our end, I don't know how, actually. Oh, you can't. Oh, no, there is a way. Yeah, yeah. 
you can go into the database of all the all the uh the streams of money uh -huh. from well, different people you mean the oceans the the the, the oceans the of tsunami money. of money you, you look up the you look up the guys uh, you look up the guy in the database you find him and you find his subscription and then you just you cancel it as though you were canceling an order right yeah you can do that from a site. it's really a pain the last time i had to do this because some guy wanted to he had to do he couldn't afford it anymore he says Mm -hmm. And so he, he says, you got, and he couldn't do it. I don't know why he couldn't do it, but he couldn't. So uh, he says, you've got to cancel my subscription. You've got to cancel my subscription. I don't, I'm broke. And, blah, and, when I, and I said, well, why, you, can't you do it? He said, I don't know how. I can't figure it out. <laughs> so no I idea. went and looked the guy up. His, he hasn't been paying for the last six months. They canceled him last year. Wow. So I went through all that trouble, and the guy didn't even know he was. What, what, Anyway, it was very wow. annoying. And were you wet from swimming in the rivers of money? <laughs> no, I was actually wet from waiting. <laughs> PayPal is a classic cloud. Uh, uh, yeah, a cloud, cloud operation. Cloud operation. Yeah, you click on something and you wait and you wait. Yeah. It's just horrible. Yeah, it is. Anyway, I'm sorry. Well, we do want to thank everyone uh, for checking their uh, subscriptions. Make sure they're still in place. Uh, that really is the you know if we build those in you know over time in ten years when well, I don't know when when we're trying to just get enough money to pay our license fees for the um, to podcast legally. I'm what sure. Do, what do you think a license fee is going to be for us? Three thousand dollars a month. I'm just guessing. Uh, maybe it could be that high. I think I think that's what I would do. I uh, you know. You know, look at well. I've been unlicensed uh, news uh, and reviews. I don't know how what, what how they're going to write this I think up. That, no, I, think I that, guarantee within the next five years, the websites will be licensed. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Well, it, it'll it'll start with some kind of seal of approval. That's how they always do it. Right, you, you, right, you start Some with like, organization, right, an and organization. You have to pay like twenty five bucks fee. Yeah, you know, yeah, to get a sticker, to get a, a badge for your website. Right, so so the. Government knows that you're yeah. legit. Yeah. They yeah. check you out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have a number. Right, you have a number. Tattooed on your arm. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a different regime. Or maybe not. Who knows? Anyway, the support that we get uh, every single time I do this show, after the show, and John and I always talk for 10, 15 minutes, bitch at each other about whatever. That was too long. That sucked. That boy, that was good. And eventually we both say, oh, my God, can you believe we get to do this? I, that's what I say. And John goes, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. And I go to Ms. Mickey. I say, can you? I feel like the luckiest guy in the world that people Yeah, because we're support directly us. supported for our good work. Yeah. The pe people listen to the show, whether they like the one episode or another. But there's always some tidbit they say, oh, geez. And then they, I mean, I yeah. like, for example, I still think right now, if you go, you want your tidbit, you use that Ecuador or the Bolivian pilot asking to land in Austria. <laughs> yeah. yeah, asking to land. And, asking to land. And, and then an ATC, an ATC offering help. Do you need anything? Can we get any assistance? You know, you, right, like, yeah, they're going to do anything they want. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this is now being set. Uh, these guys call it out as forced landing. That's right. There you go. That's uh, that's that's it. Right there. That's the whole thing. That tells you that everything's corrupt. Okay. That, except this show. That clip. And the only reason we're not corrupt is because we're not forced to eat hamburgers on the air <laughs> or promote all kinds of weird stuff yes, that some of it we exactly. believe or don't believe. Because once the, you're on the road to corruption, you're yeah. done. Yeah. Oh, no, once you're in, you're in for good. Yeah. Yeah. You're you might as well just go yeah. with an advertiser.
Uh, the clip will be in the uh, in the clips and stuff section of the show notes, uh, 529.nashownotes.com. Clips and stuff, that's the tab you want to click on. Then go to the snow job link, and in there you'll see FAB001 bullcrap about fuel. Uh, that will be the clip. You can download it. You can put it on your phone. Uh, you can just uh, have have a link handy. Put you it can, on your phone. Yeah. And then somebody's jacking at you, you give them dead eyes, and you say, hey, listen to this and tell me how you interpret it. Yeah. And then, you t- and, and then you know, you just might you know, say, that plane, does it force down? Is that what happens? Is that what everyone's reporting? You know, it's like every yeah, single you do like a Brian the dog where you start just writing the guy. Or no, it's Stewie that does that. <laughs> Stewie or the- Stewie's always writing Brian about his novel. Yeah. Yeah, so how you doing with that novel? Yeah. So that's what you think. You think it was forced down. You, you heard that? Where'd you hear that from that it was forced down? Oh, everybody said yeah, it. Oh, that's fact. Science is in. So then how it's do you done. explain this? Yeah. And then you play the clip. Right. Uh, to support us, please remember. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Oh, boy. We got a couple big ones today for you. Celebrating her birthday today, 19 or 20 years old, is Jay Dvorak. Congratulations and a happy belated birthday to the one and only Uber Geek, the OG of geekdom and nerdness, Nikola Tesla. Happy birthday from your buddies here at the best podcast in the universe. He gets no props, man. Gets no props. So Tesla was born on the 11th? I think he was born the 10th. I think on one day, to, and just briefly, because then we got to go on. We have a nighting to do. How the th- here? Here's what I, what really irks me: a Tesla, who um, you know, arguably he invented really the best transmission for electricity. Also, incurred. he built you know like the, the hydroelectric, you know, like the, the up there, uh, the Niagara Falls. Um, he was the first one to measure Earth resonance. You know, wireless electricity. You know, he really Mar- Marconi came way after he was doing wireless transmissions. All this stuff. Why does a guy like Elon Musk get to use his name on his stupid ass battery car? That is such an insult to everything that Nikola Tesla was about. How does how does he get to do that? And does he have it trademarked and he can use that forever? And the name Tesla is just it's now on this lame ass Lotus with a battery in it. Tell me, I don't know. No one questions this. Everyone. So the next time someone's like Elon Musk is great. He's the Tony Stark. They modeled Tony Stark on him. He's great. So you know what? He's a fucking thief. He took Tesla's name and stole it and put it on his battery car. And he should be ashamed of himself. I think it's public domain. Can't steal public domain. But it okay. I have a feeling this battery car is direct current and not alternating current. What do you think? Oh, that's a very interesting little uh, take. On how it. do you think. how do you get to use? Yeah, yeah, no, Tesla's it's a DC name. car. It has to be. It has to be a DC car. So how do you get to do that? No, no. I make the ultimate podcast device with Mark Smith. What do we use? AC. Adam Curry. <laughs> now, of course, we, we we make it DC later on, but we have two rail power. I'm telling you, this is a big deal. All right. Uh, make Goods, we did the uh, Sir Dwayne Melanson. Um, uh, we got him. He was actually, a, he had got a double producership on July 4th, went back, changed the credits of the show notes. Uh, we do make good on these things, especially because he'd already put it into his... Um, uh, his LinkedIn profile, which you should do if you're an executive or associate executive producer. And Michael Miller, um, I guess he was on the list for 528, and we got him at the top of the uh, top of the segment, right? We thanked him, so we made yeah, good on that. Okay, good. We want to make sure we make good on these things. Then we have uh, some title changes. We have 
Uh, Sir JD uh, goes to Baron, and Sir Dwayne, of course, becomes the Duke. We have that, and we have our one knighting. So let us uh, grab. Uh, you have a. Uh, yeah, hold on, I guess. Okay, very rusty. Patrick Brennan, step forward, sir. Thank you very much for supporting the best podcast in the universe. You might have one thousand dollars or more. You know that that means you can join the elite group of knights and dames here at the round table. So I hereby pronounce thee, Sir Patrick Brennan, Knight Sir Munch Nuts. <laughs> no agenda round table. Come on by for your hookers and blow, friend, poison, chardonnay, hot pants and booze, long-haired heavy metal guys and scotch, wenches and beer, Rubenets, women and rosé, gushes and sake, vodka and villa, bong hits and bourbon, sparkling cider and escorts and mutton and mead right here at the round table of the knights and the dames. Thank you so much for your support. And in our um, segment here today, John, there was a note from somebody. We didn't read the note, actually. Um, let me see. What was it? So who was it that said? Oh, here it is. Uh, it was David Carey. I've been listening for the past couple of months after hearing the Texas abortion law rant. I decided I could no longer be a douchebag. Uh, the time came to donate. Uh, Adam, your take was brilliant. Well, thank you. I, I don't know about brilliance, but uh, appreciate it. Um, I have uh, I found out yet an- I have another piece of the puzzle that I want to share with us today. I mean, uh, all ears. Okay. Um, so my general theory, besides the rant that, you know, I'm just like, why is everyone, why don't we see these protests for other things, which is what my rant was really about, um, is I, I had this feeling that you look at this law, which was clearly made up by ALEC, A-L-E-C, um, which was done on behalf of Republican lawmakers, and they call it the, was it the pain law or something, the the the, the fetus pain law. Uh, which is clearly a red herring because three quarters of this bill, and this, and if you haven't heard about it, this is big news in Texas taking place here in Austin. Uh, women uh, yelling at each other, people saying the church sucks. It just, it's, it's. I, I'm amazed we haven't had fistfights yet. It's, it's very, very tense, um, and it's obvious that there are large forces at work here. And my take on it is that this is all about setting up the clinics to a certain standard, so we can now start new clinics. Instead of charging $500 for an abortion, they can charge $5,000 for an abortion. Did I summarize that well enough, John? Is that pretty much the thesis that I had? Yeah. Guess what? Governor Perry's sister, and her name is Mila Perry Jones, is vice president of the United Surgical Partners International a Texas company uh, in Addison, Texas, that runs hospitals and surgery centers co-owned by doctors. This is... <laughs> these are the guys. They are well known for uh, for helping doctors charge thousands of dollars for very simple procedures. He's setting this up for them. Yeah. For his sister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty obvious. You know, the funny thing is this... I think this whole movement... I, I, I may have the cart before the horse on that. I may have it backwards, but this has happened, and I, this is long since established. This this sort of it's a stepping stone. This gouging. It's all gouging, be based on the fact that the government ends up paying through or insurance companies paying in some sort of a pool method. Which, so which, 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 which I need to point out. That's the final step. You know, we got to set it up. We have to make it really expensive. Then we have to have a way for the government to pay for it, which currently, by federal law, due to Roe versus Wade, is forbidden. Right, so we have this other mechanism that we're going to create. Oh, it's, although it's done through insurance companies because Obamacare is really an insurance scam. 
So, uh, so the government's really not paying for it, but they're probably well, subsidizing yeah. insurance companies or some other angle. But in some way, they are paying for it. But this happened to all the all the veterinaries around the country oh. that's going on. Oh my God! They have taken uh, every little shop now is part of some. Like, it used to be just a nice little veterinarian, and they have a dog and cat on each door. And you go in this, you know, one side you got your cats, one side you got your dogs. It's a small operation, maybe five vets, and they, you know, it's a very reasonable everything. And now they've been taken over by these huge chains, these veterinarian clinic chain, chains, where they essentially gouge you. Well, they they started with selling you insurance, which you you really wanted to get your pet insurance. Remember that? Yep. And now and, you know, you go to the, the, the to the vet; it's a thousand bucks. Yeah, for the mediocre service, yeah. it's not even as good as it used to be. And then they get you, give you a bunch of drugs. Yeah. They all know you're the animal. You better you get to take these drugs. And so they give you all these you know packets of drugs for the poor animal, and that you're supposed to in, make them take. And every and they have to go back for a follow up, which is another. It's just, it just costs as much as it costs to go to a regular doctor. And it's just that this whole country is being scammed. Left and right by these large organizations and the legislatures that are passing these bills that encourage this sort of thing, it's just unbelievable. The, the the gouging that is going on from top to bottom of the American public is just outrageous. Yeah, no, no, it's it's worldwide. It's not just the American public. It's uh, all all citizens. Well, we're all being gouged. And I think we do need to mention um, uh, one of our producers actually done a lot of work on this, and there's a whole bunch of links in the show notes under Trains Bad, Pipelines Good. Now, uh, this is the uh, the accident at Lac uh, Megantique. Is that how you pronounce it? Lac Megantique? I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, this is the plant, the train that blew up in Canada. Oh, uh, well, the one up Canadian. in Canada, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it was a setup. It's very obvious. They're, they're going to arrest these guys. They're going to arrest people for this because what happened is this, magically the pressurized brakes got disengaged, which is not exactly that simple and probably a lie. And the next thing you see is everywhere, oh, yeah, we really need pipelines. It's much safer than transporting oil via, via rail. And this, of course, is a setup to the XL pipeline. It's so obvious. Yeah, it is. It's pretty obvious. And the, and the joke is is that the, uh, moving oil by rail is not uncommon. We have a bunch of them that go by here. And it's been an old, established way of doing it. It's, and, and they, it's and safe, and they don't blow up. I, by thank the way. you. That's my point. These things. If they are, go hit a pole or something, they yeah. just leaks oil all over. It makes a mess. Right. So Ro- Road Wolf, uh, who I think is up there in <laughs> Canada, uh, I got a link to his blog post. He's done all the work, so I, I can't claim any credit for it. And it's very difficult because we don't know that much about Canadian culture, and I have to say the Canadians in general are very sparse at giving us information. We could use a lot more of that. We could learn a lot more since, you know, you are the foreign oil we depend on and, you know, you are the ones we will be invading eventually. Um, and, you know, these like the, the walls of these of these transport trains, you know, these uh, that carry the oil, they're, you know, an inch thick steel. I mean, these things, there's no reason for it to blow up. No, and not only that, but getting crude oil to blow to up. Blow up? Yeah. I don't know how you do it. You have to have it's used. The crude oil can be used to make a bomb. The same way, and ammonium nitrate and fuel oil is is what it is. It's ammonium nitrate packed together with fuel oil, and you can make and it's used to, as a as a substitute for dynamite. It works very well. And crude uh, John, oil. Could John, John, hold on. Could you wait a second? Um, could you just really explain that in great detail? 
There's not much detail. That's the great thing about it. About it. <laughs> I, so there's no detail. I just you take make sure ammonium that, nitrate and mix it in with some oil. I, I so, just want to make sure everyone knows that the NSA has heard that we are telling people how you can make a bomb. Well, I'm not. I'm not explaining the details. <laughs> Because you do have to get it to explode. In fact, to get that to explode takes more than a little work. I mean, it's just, well, you can't take a match and put it to the, do that you, little... Do you strain. think that a drone strike would have worked? A drone strike hitting the uh, crude oil, yes, that would work. Okay, just a thought. So what you're implying is a, that we just droned the damn thing. Poss- and that it's would, a possibility. I'm it's telling possibility. you right now, there's no way for one of those... These things cr- crash, com- not commonly, but when they do crash... I've never heard of one exploding. It's not possible. And taking out, it's like killing 20 people. I mean, this thing exploded and it took out, you know, 60 homes or something. Is it- yeah, crude oil is not an explosive product. So, so either A, there was something else that was being transported, which could be. Gasoline would explode. Regardless, it was billed as oil, and yes, uh, oil. the headlines everywhere are, oh, you know, we really pipelines much, much safer, much safer. XL pipeline, I, much, much safer. I don't see how a pipeline is safer. It's not, but it, we need this pipeline in place. It's certainly a lot easier. Seems to me it's a lot more economical than than especially if you can have the government pay for it because you know we well, don't want the government's going to pay for. We it. don't want people dying. That would make sense. To me, to me, that would make sense. Someone knocking? Right. Yeah, I'm knocking on the... Mr. Dvorak! Hey! <laughs> no, it's different. They don't call you Dvorak, they call you Jebediah. Mr. D.C. Dvorak! Open up the door, Jebediah! Now! <laughs> so, uh, that's all I got. That's all you got? I'm done. Let me, let me see if I think I have. Um, let me see if I had anything. I had potential end of show. We got some stuff on race baiting, but you can do that later. Yeah, well, you know, a lot this... of race baiting because we we'll, we'll might as well put in the red book. They're going to get uh, Zimmerman's getting off, and the riots will ensue. Uh, you know what? I was thinking about this. I think no riots. I think no riots. And I'll tell uh, you why. And, and I'll tell you why. I've been uh, so I've been following. If you do, if you go to Twitter. And you type in that search box at the top, you type in Zimmerman. In fact, let's do it right now, okay? And then we'll end the show on this. And then I'll, t- I'll tell you my true thoughts. So we type in Zimmerman, and let's see, we do all. You gotta, you, you gotta, do, you gotta make sure you do all, because otherwise you get top, which is lame. Okay, all. Uh, let's see. Blood, they finally let Zimmerman walk, swear? Okay, that was the first one. Zimmerman won't be safe in jail. Zimmerman won't be safe outside of jail. F. Zimmerman. Zimmerman don't go to jail. Somebody gonna get him. Look at that face. Nothing good. I really want to know what was going through Zimmerman's mind. If dude was a white boy, Zimmerman would not have cared. Closing arguments begin in Zimmerman. Zimmerman is innocent. Only way he does times if judge allows prosecution to charge to aggravated assault. So there's someone trying to be smart. Um, let's see. So it's a lot of it is, you know, I'm going to kill him, you know, lock his ass up. If if he's not locked up, I'll kill him. There's a lot of this. And let me tell you, these people are all icon changers. The only thing that's going to happen, and this will be the proof, I, I really hope George Zimmerman gets off, regardless of what I think of what happened. I want him to be completely free and clear so you can see that we are a nation of icon changers. There will not be a single riot. This is not, not your 1990 America with Rodney King. 
This is not that America anymore. Everyone's going to sit there and yell at each other on Twitter. Man, man that sucks. Man, I'll, I'll mess him up. Now, this is not, not your 1990 America anymore. I guarantee you no riots, zero riots. Which, well, you get a dollar if that's true. Do you mean the usual, Mortimer? Yeah, the usual Mortimer. <laughs> Hate to say it, but there will be an icon change campaign. You can bet on it. Take that to the bank. You could take it to the bank. You can take that to the bank. I'm going to go with there's going to be a riot. No, no riots. No riots. No way it's not going to happen. And if there's no riots, that will be sadder than if there are riots. But it will prove my point that we are a nation of icon-changing, couch potato, hamburger-eating fat slobs of no worth. Big doubles. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We'll be back on Sunday uh, bringing you another best podcast in the universe where we dissect the bullcrap that is news. Coming to you from... I'm sorry? Yes. <laughs> Coming to you from the capital of the Drone Star State in Austin, Texas. In the morning, my name's Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where things are just going slow and there'll be no riots here, I'm John C. Dvorak. We will talk to you again on Sunday. Please join us for another episode of No Agenda. Holy shit, I just fell asleep and I had this nightmare that you were talking to me about really boring shit. Oh, fuck, it's happening. The best podcast in the universe. Dvorak. Dot org slash N-A.